This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. Some really good sunflower seed content, Damon, that our listeners have missed out on just because we just didn't hit recording time and we ended up having just a brilliant conversation that is never going to see the light of day. Well, I could. I mean, I could, I could, we could rehash it. I, th- I still think it has legs, life and legs, um, but I, I definitely have a theory about uh, the the ability to eat a sunflower seeds and the ability to perform oral sex on a woman, I truly believe it. Um, it's it you know you, have, you you play with it with your mouth. You got to get the seed out. You're flipping it with your tongue. Uh, Joel, you pointed out there is some sucking going on. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> we we are it's starting off strong here today, ladies and gentlemen. It's six o'clock in the morning for me. Uh, but I, I, I you know listen, there's a, there there is a skill. To eating a sunflower seed and then spitting out the seed. You know, there's a lot going on there. Now, again, I don't think that there are actual legitimate skills needed. But uh, I, I think it just shows some dexterity on uh, a, a person's part. Um, and, and again, and I, you know, I, think, uh, I think it goes both ways for, uh, both the, uh, for all genders, should I say. So, uh, yes, I do believe that... Um, there is something there to that. Something there to that. I don't believe it's a direct correlation, but uh, I, I think there's something there. All right. See? All right. See you next week, everyone. Good night. Andrew, that was a pretty quick uh, edit, right? <laughs> didn't, have to, didn't have to do much for the show. Yeah. Everyone's away on holiday this week. Well, no, Dan's not on holiday. Editor Dan's away. So the brilliant Andrew T. Rich is going to be doing our editing for us today because you fucked it up last time. It's not <sighs> it, your fault. It's a hard business, but... We, we'd rather stay clear of it. Yeah, because I, 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 I got too much things to do. I got three things to do today, and it's overwhelming to me. Uh, the three things. You'll have to write them down, make, make them in a list. Oh, my God. I have a big checkbox, a big box waiting to be checked. Uh, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming me. And, um, and I remembered I was going to be editing. I was like, oh, fuck, am I going to have time for this and blah, blah, blah. But then here we go. Swooping in for the save is the great uh, Andrew Rich, who, in my mind, quite honestly, should be a Hall of Famer. But okay. Well, you know, that's, a, that's a discussion can we just, for can another we put day. Him in? Let's put him in. He's in the Hall of yeah, Fame. Fuck it. I'm making He's in the Hall of Fame? Decision. All right. Yeah. Fine. Congratulations, Andrew Rich, the newest member of the Super J cast off hand. Is it literally, is this is going to be just like a blue ribbon at this point? <laughs> just, we're just going to, or, or a certificate. No, that, no, we've got an amnesty on Hall of Fame call-ups until next year. Okay, until, we're done. Maybe till our next, next birthday, maybe. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. I mean, I don't want to dilute it too much. It's so important. It's, so, so, it's, like, it's like the Nobel Peace Prize, for Christ's sake. All right, uh, there's a lot of news to get to, Joel, aside from... Uh, uh, performing oral sex on a woman. <laughs> There's news to get to. Uh, yeah, I, can I just apologize in advance if my audio quality is not up to its usual standards because I'm not at home. So if it's a bit echoey or if there's interruptions, 
don't blame me. You want to tell? No, no, no. You want to you want to tell you want to tell where you are now, Mister Mister World Traveler, Mister Jet Setter. You want to tell them where you are now? I am in a beautiful place called Sanya, which is like the Hawaii of China. It's beautiful, Dave, and I spend all day just relaxing by the swimming pool on the beach, having a little swim in the sea. Jesus. And now I've got to coop myself up in a hotel room to talk about fucking Japanese wrestling for two and a half hours, where I should be on the beach with a cocktail with my lovely wife. Oh, what am I doing? I, I look, you are so dedicated that you would that you would even you would even think of doing this, let alone doing it. But uh, I know thousands upon thousands of people hang on your every word. Every, your beans and toast every word <laughs> is, is, is they're hanging on it. And uh, oh, I'm so jealous. I saw some of these pictures. Jesus Christ. Uh, the guy living a life. The guy's a teacher. I'm like, how are you? How is this happening? Um, International schools. And anyone out there, just get on it. It's an absolute gravy train. Oh, my God. My best life. Yeah, all you got to do is put up with a bunch of snotty kids for a little bit, and away you go. Wow, I sit here and, and I'm 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 begging and scratching. I got I got listeners paying for trips to Dallas. This guy's sitting on a fucking beach. Jesus Christ! All right, well, look, God you know damn. I should have done. I should have brought the recording equipment literally down to the beach. I should oh, be recording yeah. this from a beachside bar. That would be fun. That would. That's the idea. I can't, I can't believe you didn't do that. Yeah. I'm sitting in my office. Everyone, but, can you be quiet, please? I'm doing something important here. Keep it down, sir. Please stop clinking those glasses. Those can delicious- you mix my cocktail a bit more quietly, please? please. Like being awfully rude. Right. Right. You. I'm doing an award-winning podcast here on 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 New Japan Pro Wrestling. No, not no no no, sir. We do not cover all of pro wrestling. Just one promotion. Thank you very much. Oh, gross. What so awards gross. have we won? We haven't won any awards. We keep saying that. We're not an award-winning podcast at all. Oh, we are. Well, I, I, I've decreed it. I've, 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 you, you, <laughs> the, the award is my... It's, it's, it's like the Super J-Cast Hall of Fame. Uh, it's just... Um, I award it. It's, it's an award. My award... My... Uh, uh, it's like... It's like a... Uh, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I do. I do a podcast. <laughs> it's shit. It is shit, but it's okay. I love it. I don't care. I'm going to listen back and I'm going to laugh. I lo- I, I'm having a great time. Right. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen back to this and just laugh and laugh, just like Jan Brady. And I, the awards, um, are important. They're the the, the it, we won the most important From massive egos. Yeah, yeah. We've won the most important. <laughs> podcasting award there is and that is our listeners hearts yeah i was just trying to eat a sunflower seed there but i've had to spit it out and abandon it because i thought you were going to go longer go that, for a long rant no i'm holding a very wet sunflower seed in my fingers so let me start off and uh give big congratulations to the military industrial suplex who is follower number 2000 on the twitter um let's open up with a question here uh, from our discord the real ch3 so you'll have to explain this one to me did you not address your pending litigation on the advice of your attorney oh oh my god you know what i don't think i even showed you did i show you these these? i i'm gonna no i have it right here i have it right here i have it right right here in my hand joel we are being sued i did not want to tell you this i did not want to bring you get you upset 
I did not want to make you worried. Uh, you have a lot going on in your life. You have uh, you know, beach uh, property that you need to attend to, apparently. and okay. a bag of sunflower seeds to eat. Yep, yep, yep. Well, listen, that's in jeopardy right now. That's in jeopardy right now. That life, that lavish lifestyle you're leading, uh, it's a, it's a little bit, little bit on, on ice because we are being sued. I got a statement of claim. It says here, statement of claim. That seems important, and it's from the Supreme Court of New South Wales. Now, where the fuck that is, who knows? But it seems official because it's on paper, and it's really looking very official. Um, the plaintiff, as it says here, is Kyle James Dombach. Now, Kyle, that name might ring a bell to you. Remember ring a bell to you, Joe? Yeah, I'm remembering a certain cheeky chappy who dragged me along to uh, a bad luck Farley uh, party <laughs> the night before Wrestle Kingdom. Exactly. Now we so should... I could counter sue here. Yeah, we're. Yeah, I was going to say we 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 might want to look at the counter suing because we probably spent more money than we should have at that nonsense. And I and I directly blame him. I directly blame him for that because because correct me if I'm wrong, it was his idea. Uh, yeah, we are being sued. For the amount of uh, just this, I, I I'm uh, uh, damages, interest, interest, costs. The amount claimed is seven hundred and fifty thousand, I believe, U.S. interest, filing fees, uh, wait, eleven hundred dollars in filing fees. The fuck out of here! Uh, but he did, did give us zero service fees. Um, basically, it's a document outlining, and it's really well done, actually. He goes on and the pleadings and particulars uh, about how basically we made mention to him being a fussy fan, uh, a fussy pro wrestling fan in quotes. He did, uh, which led to ridicule. Well, you said that, not me. Correct. So already, I'm washing my hands. Ah, well, Valley's in the background, fucking blow drying her hair. This is great. <laughs> really? Well, listen, I got news for you, Abraham. He does point out at the 1 hour and 16 minute and 25 second mark of the July 1st episode of the podcast, Abraham labels the defendant as, quote, a hardcore gatekeeper type. (laughs) You are on this suit. A label which carries heavy negative connotations within the professional wrestling community and many other subsets of popular culture. You are on this document. Joel, oh, fuck, he, he's right. got me there. We're fucked. I, I, I don't think we got a leg to stand on. All right, I think the only thing we got is that countersuit uh, for yeah for uh, mental and physical hardships uh, for this Fale bar situation. Because I, I I think I have lung cancer with all the smoke I inhaled. Uh, that and the trauma of having to take a picture with Bad Luck Fale. <laughs> And having that picture on the internet just a really awful. I'm picture. pretty sure he he did a bad luck fall on me through a table in that bar. Or am I misremembering? No, I th- I remember that vividly. I remember that vividly. I remember you walking up to him and extending your hand and saying, "Mr. Fale, you uh, are one of my favorite professional wrestlers, and I appreciate everything you do." And he spit on you, picked you up in the bad luck fall, and put you through a table. I remember it vividly. And then handed me a notice that he was going to sue me for slander. Yep. <laughs> one of my podcasts. <laughs> right, he should be slagging off one of his matches. Well, maybe we can just give Kyle the podcast and he can rebrand it as the elitist, hardcore 
pro rest gatekeeper podcast. Noah, or no, like that. the Noah. The I've Noah, done it again. Oh, yeah, I know. For fuck the Noah experience or something. I don't. Know. Well, actually, uh, Claire would do that because because uh, she's the expert in in that household. Let's be honest here, right? <laughs> yeah, and all of the Noah fans in the world will listen to that. Both of them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Oh, jeez. So hurtful. I, I jest. I yeah, jest. we're kidding. No, it's okay. It's okay. Yes, please. All right. Uh, look, we spent a lot of goofiness. We spent 12 minutes of goofiness. But we got some uh, We got some hot topics we got to cover. And I don't, I'm not talking about T-shirts. I'm talking about pro wrestling. And I'm talking about New Japan pro wrestling. And I'm talking about G1. And I'm talking about other news that you will lead us to the light. Question from Control. He says, what have you heard in regards to Chris Charlton and whether or not Meltzer's report about him being told to shut up is accurate? So this was on um, Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, apparently, Chris Charlton is now to provide translations only, not to commentate on NJPW World broadcasts uh, because it's apparently not New Japan's decision. It's made by the TV people at TV Asahi. Dave speculates that Chris doesn't have the look or sound that people look for in a commentator and that's why he's been told to stick to translating. Well... Um, we did our due diligence, and uh, we tried to talk to as many people as possible. We were we did our broadcasting duties, and uh, yeah, it does seem to be the case in the sense that uh, he, Crystal does work for New Japan. Uh, the problem is not with New Japan, apparently. Uh, the problem is not with uh, anything that he's been doing there, per se. Um, from a company perspective, he still has a role with the company. He still will be doing translations. He's still uh, – Chris does a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes, too. Let that be known. Um, he's not booking angles, but he's doing you know web work and translations and, and a lot of the, 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 the grunt work. That goes along with running a, a pro wrestling promotion, especially one uh, that is serving an audience that is English speaking as well as Japanese. And guess what? Chris can speak both. So, um, yes, that is the case, unfortunately. And I think, to me, I think the majority of our listeners appreciate what he has done in the sense of helping new fans and even old fans alike understand a product a little bit better and understand exactly why things are important. There, Chris played a great role in a lot of people's learning of this product, and that is a good thing. Now, again, it can be debated. Is Chris the best broadcaster in the world? Okay. I mean, people have preferences and people have likes. Is is he as smooth as silk on a mic like uh, your boy Damon? I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Is he, uh, uh, you know, c- could he do play-by-play as well as Kevin Kelly or anyone else? And should he be the lead guy on any show, whether it be Australia? Okay, you, again, you, we can, that, that's debatable. He's not a broadcaster. He doesn't come from a broadcasting background. But to me, the guy is he's one of us. He's a fan who made it. He's a fan who was able to live a dream that any one of us 
at any moment would be like, fuck yeah, let me see how I can make this work in my life. I want in. Right? So uh, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care if you fucking mop floors at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant. I don't care if you sell cars. I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you install sheetrock. I don't care what the fuck you do. When somebody comes to you and says, um, yeah, you're not the guy. It hurts. It's not good. It doesn't feel right. The conversation that you got to have with the missus when you walk home and kind of feel not up to par, that is not a good day. That is not a good day. So I feel for him. I feel for him. Uh, He, you know, he wrote a book that that turned into, that he parlayed into a good deal. Now, there is a link. And this is just, this is me saying this, and 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 I and I don't speak for Joel, and I'll let Joel say what he needs to say about this situation, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But I needed to get that off my chest because because I feel Chris has been very good to me and to our show, uh, and I feel Chris has always been friendly to us and a good guy, and he's one of us. At least he started that way. <laughs> uh, if you feel the need to let the company know how you feel about that, we provided a link. We tweeted it out, and by all means, you wanna you wanna let them know. I'm sh- I know. Let's put it this way: I know. Read between the lines, people. I know that New Japan would love to hear from you at that link. Provide some quality comments uh, about your feelings about Chris being taken off and in a, in a reduced role. Now, Joel, you done your sunflower seed? You want to uh, add a little bit more into this? <laughs> yeah, I thought he was very valuable as the third man on the commentary booth, given the historical perspective, uh, not just the translations, but being able to give you little tidbits about the backgrounds of feuds or when a wrestler was you know, shouting out another wrestler with a little tribute in one of his moves or, or things like that, or the venue or, you know, the historical significance of a particular date. So it's a shame. And especially in this era of Western expansion to remove someone like that from the broadcast, who is first and foremost a fan with such an encyclopedic knowledge of the product seems, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I'm left with more questions than answers here. Well, first of all, why it, why is it TV Asahi have taken exception to Chris? Like you've got like for example, just taking a recent example because I was watching the backstage promos before we start recording. Lance Archer on the videos which go up on New Japan World saying Kenta, you're fucking shit, but then they look at Chris Charlton. No, this is the guy we've got to get rid of. This is the problem. It just seems a bit weird to me. And why is it that TV Asahi and I know they're heavily involved. They they do the NJPW World all that business, they do all the recording and everything. Why is it that they're suddenly becoming very fussy about the uh, the aesthetics of English commentary? It just, I don't know, it just seems a bit weird to me, Damon. No, I, I, I hear you. And, and, I, and we had those same questions in the sense of, what, why do they give a fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like Chris has camera time. 
yes, a, a camera will pan past the booth and you'll see him. Um, you know, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? How, is he going to grow, you know, another two feet? I, you know what I mean? He's a small guy. All right, let's let's put it out. Uh, is he is he going to instantly become uh, Brad Pitt handsome? Is Brad Pitt still handsome? I don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? Movie star handsome? Is he going to turn into the fucking rock? That'd be something. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's dealing with what God gave him. What, what can he do? His talent is that encyclopedia knowledge. That's his talent. And it's, and it's, and it's a strong talent. Yeah, it does leave me. And I, I understand. Listen, the, I mean, New Japan, from, from what we understand, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, they only own 40% of that network. Their shareholders, they're, 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 I mean, stake, share, whatever the fuck you want to say, ownership, whatever, forty percent. It's the rest is the, is, is is. I always mess the name up. Is it Asahi Ashi Ashi Ashi? Uh, it's the network. They own the majority share of it. They're the ones doing the production. And I do find it weird. Now look, I know people were complaining. Well, this is the same fucking place that had Lanny Poffo do it, right? Okay, I we get it. He was one and done. I think Chris has more had more of a front facing role than all, you know than all those pe- other people that they brought in. Look, they're 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 particular. They they have an aesthetic that I guess that they want. I don't think that there's any sabotaging or I, I mean I can't imagine because I know I, I I'm hearing you know people trying to speculate and throw rumors about and all that and I can't imagine. Half of those being true. I can't imagine three quarters of those being true. I I don't want to believe, but for whatever reason, it's they decided that that's not something that they want to pursue. I liked the aesthetic of a guy who isn't a broadcaster, who is just a guy who just it wasn't like he was embarrassing on the microphone. And as a matter of fact, he was he he got better and better in my mind each show. Yes, there were moments where you could be like, I probably want to do that. Okay, but until you sit in front of that fucking microphone live and you, and you got a lump in your throat and it's dry and you're like, holy fucking shit, I got to talk now and I got to have a repartee with the, uh, Kevin Kelly for, th- for three fucking hours? It's not that easy. Don't think it is. Again, I can't wait to tell this fucking story, Joel. Oh, my God. One day, we're, oh, my God, we're going to tell this story. It's not easy. It's not fucking easy. Uh, it's not easy. So, again, if if it's – I hope it's not something weird. I really do. I hope it's – it's already weird. But I hope it's not something super weird where somebody's fucking turning the screws. But, look, I you're right. I, I, I had the same questions as you as why the fuck would they even – like there's no do you think there's anybody there listening to these broadcasts on a you know what I mean like like they're list they, do they really give a fuck about New Japan and the English commentary I just thought that was a weird thing Moving on there was some other stuff from Wrestling Observer Radio in recent weeks there was interviews with Ibushi and Juice Robinson did you catch either of those Um no, how were they? I mean, I can't imagine the Bushi one being that great. Was that good? Was that good? 
biggest takeaway from that, um, they asked him who would be your all-time dream opponent in the ring. You guess who he said? Uh, I can go to the obvious <laughs> um, and say Kenneth, uh, but I'll go outside. It wasn't the, Kenneth. It right? wasn't Kenneth? Okay. Dream opponent would be... Uh, Past or present, I think, was uh, the question. Uh, okay. Um, it's got to be somebody wacky. Um, I don't know. Fucking Bob Backlund. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. So you went too I'm, far off. Oh, my God. It really wasn't. Hulk Hogan. I was not expecting him to say Hulk Hogan. Wow. <laughs> Go to Ibushi versus Hulk Hogan. What? What a missed opportunity. That le- legitimately, like I was saying mine just to be fucking goofy. That is, yeah, that is, that is, he is, he is a kooky cat. Whew. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess maybe at the height of the 80s, that would be great. But like, you know, you want to wrestle and you would, let me ask you this. Would you rather wrestle NWO Hogan or would you rather wrestle Hulkamania Hogan? Um. I would say Hulkamania Hogan because NWO Hogan did some quite dastardly things, didn't he? I remember him uh, crushing The Rock in a monster truck the week before <laughs> WrestleMania 18. So. That's right. And The Rock was killed instantly. The match was called off. It was awful business. They have good doctors. They have the, they have, they have, uh, the best medical staff in all of sports entertainment. So they were able to piece him back together like the $6 million man. And uh, just like Steve Austin. Huh? A little wrestling tie in there, huh? Uh, yep. Okay. All right. That's weird. What else? What else? What other highlights? How was the juice? I bet you the juice one was pretty good. Juice one was great. He just basically like buried the fuck out of the uh, WWE Performance Center. He was talking about, uh, having a room. We imagine that in the Performance Center with guys like Chris Hero, Kenta, Pac, like having to do these ridiculous drills, like rolling class, things like that. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine I mean, I know that they said that there were some guys that they didn't make do that. Like when Devitt came in and Shinsuke came in. No, direct quote here. They have us doing tackle, drop down, leapfrog until we're gassed. And I'm looking around at Chris Hero, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Kenta. And I'm like, I think they got it. Holy fucking shit, really? It's just maddening. I, I, You know, look, they, they really think that they are the bee's knees when it comes to this pro wrestling stuff. And they just, they, I, and it's weird because they, it's like, it feels like they're just making them do it just to break them down. You know what I mean? It's kind of like boot camp. You know, they're just going to take every ounce of you being a civilian and turn you into their soldier. Um, that is just, that is just fucking asinine. It is. I mean, look, I, I, I have heard, you know, the, the Kenta ones. It wasn't with Dave, but you know wherever that was. with you know, it's just all the stories that come out about just how ridiculous that fucking company is, and how just I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, it's like I have Eddie Van Halen, and you know I could put a guitar in his hands and be like, uh, Eddie, no, nah, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it. We're going to do it this way." You you always have to do uh, no more bar chords and no more tapping. You know what I mean? You, you're just going to fucking play uh, open chords. I don't know. I'm, I'm making things up. But you get my point. It's just fucking ludicrous. And another thing that I thought was quite significant, again, if we're 
talking and bring it back to New Japan. Juice said that he worked maybe two matches per week at the Performance Center. And in New Japan, he worked 120 matches in a few months. And he says that's how he got better. Yeah, that's the only way you do get better is is working on your name name something that you can do the 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 less amount of times you do it you get better what what cholesterol <laughs> you know what i mean like you know uh uh it's that's how thing that's how you get better they don't want people to get better Joel they want people to be characters and and terrible C-rate actors and comedians. That's that's what they want. That's what they want to be. And that's if you go there, that's, for the most part, that's what they're going to ask of you to do. To me, uh, if I'm a professional wrestler and I've trained at the art of pro wrestling and I'm really good at it, that would be one of the last places I'd want to go uh, from a pure career I'm happy kind of thing. Um Look, you could go there and and supposedly work the safe style, and we'll put that in the air quotes. But okay, and 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 cash those checks. But the majority of the people, I'm telling you right now, I think if you went to that, if you just took a microphone and and brought people into a room and and asked them to speak off the record, I can't imagine half of those people being happy with where they are. They're they're there because the, apparently the money's halfway decent. Really, and there's stars, but okay. What does that mean? Your your career's in a fucking toilet. All right, enough about them. The other thing that was quite encouraging is hearing Juice talking about his decision to move to Japan, saying like just little things like he, he was tired of living out of suitcase, tired of eating every meal at a restaurant, that he wants a stove, just little things like that. So it sounds like he is moving to Japan. He's ready to commit. Well, I mean, I say ready to commit to New Japan. He's committed enough as it is, but it it sounds like things are looking quite rosy for Juice, and we'll get onto that when we're talking about his G one. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I mean, I am always a little bit of jealous of you, a little bit of jealous of you, um, in the sense that you've done something similar, right? There's it's there is something to be said about uprooting from the country that you live and born and all that, and and saying, okay, I'm I'm living here. Um, it might not be the easiest decision for every person, so. Uh, yeah, that's commitment. That's, 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 I mean, yes, that, and that's awesome. And there's more than, and it's more than him. You know what I mean? We know Will is, and, and again, there is a lot of, uh, scuttlebutt that Zach is in that same category. Um, so. Three Musketeers. Yep, absolutely. And, and that's, that, that does show commitment and passion and also from both ends, right? I don't think a guy, uh, would do that if he didn't have some, confidence that the company had confidence in them right so i think that moving kind of goes both ways there's confidence in the performer there's confidence in the company that you know in in one month he's not scrounging for food because he doesn't have work so uh good job by both ends on that one next topic uh, also from wrestling observer newsletter about AEW and new japan relations so dave says that they're basically non-existent. John Moxley was not only not allowed to appear on the show, uh, the G1 Dallas show, because it was in the States, but didn't even appear the day before to the G1 press conference. It's a relationship that could benefit both sides. Essentially, what happened is that well before the announcement of AEW, New Japan was told by the Young Bucks and others what the plans were, and they wanted to work together. New Japan's response was to pull all the Americans that they thought were leaving to AEW 
off of New Year's Dash and beat everyone at the Tokyo Dome. Still, a meeting was scheduled after the Tokyo Dome. New Japan's reaction was that they were working with ROH. They had to give the agreed-upon Madison Square Garden show. But from that point, it was cold. Even though Kenny Omega contractually can work for New Japan, New Japan has not attempted to book him. And it's to the point that the subjects of AEW and Omega are not allowed to be acknowledged by anyone in New Japan. While things can always change, really with just one phone call, the idea that people think Omega versus Kota Ibushi is going to be at the Dome in January is simply not the case. So what are your thoughts on that? It's everything that we've been saying, though. I mean, and maybe not in that exact language, but it's everything that we've been saying. We know that they have a Ring of Honor relationship. We know that... I mean, honestly, Dave just fucking listened to, to, to three of our goddamn shows at this point. Dave, you listening? You listening to us? Well, he definitely got our scoop about the well, right, WWE yeah. fuck up in Cardiff, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, they sure did. Uh, look, I, I don't, but that's you know that's fine. But that's we've been saying that for months. You know at that there is a relationship with Ring of Honor. It's not an easy thing where they can just turn their back and be like toodaloo goodbye. I mean, I think by booking these shows and these venues coming up on the East Coast, those are all Ring of Honor buildings. You know what I mean? That twenty three hundred arena in Philly. That you couldn't book, and I've said it before on this show, you can't, you couldn't book a a promotion, couldn't walk in there unless you were House of Hardcore or Ring of Honor. They had a deal. You couldn't run there. So, uh, you know, now that that's kind of cooled off, New Japan, uh, we'll we'll, we'll slide in there and book in there. Hammerstein, Ring of Honor couldn't, can't, you know, Christ, you take a look at that. I mean, that was at one time. They announced the show, and that was pretty close to a sellout. I don't want to say instantly, but really close. Almost all the time. They can't sell tickets to that place. New Japan swoops in. Um, Again, the idea that this is a 100% New Japan Pro Wrestling show. That's, that's got to raise some eyebrows, don't you think? That's got to raise some eyebrows as to the relationship with the Ring of Honor. right? They are... Again, separate. They want to be separate. They don't want an association with Kenny and the Bucks and Cody and AEW. They they want to do things on their own because they can do things on their own. Now, look, if and we've said this before too. It's not like it's it's you know it's clear as day that right now AEW selling out consistently in seconds, you know, venues that New Japan would dream about selling out. You know, that's the truth. That's where we are right now. But they're trying to to do it alone. They they broke up. They're seeing other people. That's what's what's happening. And and, and in this type of thing, you don't necessarily go, okay, we broke up, but we're just going to hang out on this show. And we're going to do it. Just doesn't it doesn't work like that. It's just not working like that. They're going to try to make it on their own. Now, again. Would it make sense for them to have some type of working relationship down the road? Yes. Do I think it will happen? Yes. Just not right now. It's okay. They got to get their fucking TV situation taken care of. We're trying to make some headway in the United States. We got G1. We got the fucking domes. We got two fucking domes we got to fill. We're trying to do our own thing right now. It's okay. Now... I, I find it hard to believe that it's, we can't mention Kenny Omega 
the Beastman's thing's banned. I, uh, I prefer that. I, I think they, they prefer that, you know, they, they don't. I don't think anybody, I don't think there's a memo that's been distributed saying you can't mention Kenny Omega, right? Do me a favor, Joel, while you're sitting there sick, sup, you know, sucking on a, uh, 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 a, a sunflower seed and a margarita. Can you do me a favor? Can you look up and see in that profiles page of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Uh, did, did, they ta- did they finally take down that Kenny Omega thing? Right? Did they take down that Kenny Omega profile? I think they did, didn't they? Because it was a, uh, a T-shirt thing, right? Am I wrong in that? Yeah, it was, it was the image rights expired. Okay, all right. So my point was going to be, he's probably still there. He's not still there. Okay, all right. I'm wrong. I, again, I think it's, it's not a I, – I think people are making it a bigger, bigger deal than it is. Eventually, it'll work out. It's just, just not right now. And, and, and I just explained why. So relax. 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 Let's move on to G1. I want to start off, Damon, with a fun G1 quiz, a little G1 oh. history quiz. Are you up for that? Oh, boy. Uh, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, but okay. It's not even 7 o'clock. It's 6.45, Joel, and you're going to fucking put a Joel. You're sitting there with a, with a margarita in your hand on the beach. I should be giving you the quiz, but okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, this is from a, a video I watched on YouTube by a guy called Octopus Stretch, who I would recommend subscribing to he does really good videos about new japan mm-hmm. so this is based on g1 from 1991 to 2018 so okay. before this year's g1 most tournament wins damon uh isn't it uh masahiro Chona? that's correct so he's got five 91 92 94 2002 2005 um runners up tenzan and tanahashi both have three what about most g1 matches it might be like a tenzan um, no, I'll say Tanahashi. You're close. It's actually Yuji Nagata who's got mm. 138. Tenzan's got 134. Tanahashi's got 133. So by the end of this year's G1, Tanahashi would have overtaken Nagata and have the most G1 matches of all time. Right. Uh, what about most G1 appearances, like number of tournaments entered? Well, I mean, not necessarily. I'll take Nagata. Uh, you're close. It was Tenzan, who's been in 21. Nagata's okay. been in 19. Tanahashi's been in 17. Uh, I'll give you one more. Most G1 match wins. Mm-hmm. Okada. No, it's Tanahashi. He's got 79 wins. Uh, Tenzan's got 66. Nagata's got 65. So if you want some more fun G1 facts, go and check out Octopus Stretch on YouTube because there's a load of really interesting facts there. Uh, so, G1 one, one, one out of four. One out of four, Joel. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, you were close enough. I was close on a couple of them, too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say Carl well, Anderson. True. Oh, he was in one of my questions, actually. But I, I did a long list of them, but then I thought it would be boring if the whole podcast was just a quiz. So. Right, and me <laughs> and, getting them wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want people to go and watch the video. It's a good video. All right, G1 Climax in this year. What have I noticed? Lots of swearing in the backstage promos. That's the first thing I've got on my notes here. It's quite remarkable. Like, I thought they were having this big clamp down on foul language and everyone's just effing and jeffing backstage. Uh, question from Drew. How impressed have you been with the LA Dojo Young Lions 
because I had written here that the Kenta LA Dojo versus Tanahashi in New Japan Dojo match was outstanding. Yep. And I was, I'm not the only person to say it, but I was blown away by one Carl Fredericks who just has that superstar aura. He's got the look. He's got the, just the confidence, the way he carries himself in the ring. Technically, he looks like he's on point. And he tapped out Ren Narita, who has been in the best of the Super Juniors. He tapped him out in his first match, in a match that contains Tanahashi and Kenta. Yeah. And it was Carl Fredericks who picked up the win there. I That's lo- got to mean something. It does. And I loved the, the look and feel of that match. I loved the LA Dojo versus the uh, Tokyo Dojo. I loved the, you know, with Kenta and Tana. I, I, I thought the, whoever came up with that idea, God bless them. That, they, 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 it's probably Chris Charlton. <laughs> I came up with that. Um, it, it, it's, that, was, that was wonderful. A great idea, a, 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 something that's on the undercard of the G1 that had people saying, whoa, 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 what, 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 what was this? How is this? And then going back and, and making a point to watch just for, for, for the idea of the match. And then the, the, the layout of the match, yeah, it was strong. I was really impressed with them. They wrestled um, on the Rev Pro show in New York City. They were on the undercard. I think they were in the first match. And we were kind of like, these guys are good. Shit. They had a really good match. Um, So that was my... And then I remember them being on the New Beginning Tour, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And I was getting feedback that, yeah, you got to keep your eyes on on those two. Um, So, yeah, they they have a look. I know... um, I know our, our new our new best bud Joe Lanza was uh, very high on uh, them, and and so was I. I, I like the match. I like the idea of the match. I think they're they're really good, and yeah, I think you're looking at very good possibility of future stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Joe Lanza is also very high on your Yoshihashi bag of socks reference. Oh yeah, He's sprinkling that in quite a lot. Has he? he? Has he? Oh, good. I'm glad that catches on. Look, he's he was he was hilarious. I mean, he, I, again, the first time I met him was um, in New York City, and he was fun there. And then, yeah, we just I, we we I don't know. I guess it must be a New Jersey thing. You know, he lived like he used to live like maybe an hour from me, and yeah, you know, I never met him before. But like you know, he would go to the same shows I would go to, and. Uh, in the mix. And it's funny because I was talking about my former wrestling days, and I'm rattling off names in that area. He's just looking at me like, are you fucking kidding me? That was you? Dude, he's like, I've been to shows where you were on. He's like, I've been, like, I know, all, you know, I'm rattling off Ace Darling and, you know, Julio Sanchez. And he's like, I'm hearing names I haven't heard since fucking the 90s. So, uh, I don't know. He's a good guy. He's funny. He's good. I like him. Other thing I noticed from undercards is that Toa Hinare is looking really good been really impressed with him and I would like to see him in next year's G1 because I think once I I don't know about that because I think some of the guys who you've got working the G1 at the moment you know like John Moxley maybe even Kenta are they going to be full-time New Japan fixtures 
Are they going to be around next year? I think there might be some space opening up for Hanare. Okay, but you're. But is it? Uh, let me ask you this: Is Hanare a Kenta? Is Hanare a Moxley? In terms of star power, no. Okay. But in terms of being able to deliver a quality match, I would say better than Moxley. And really, yeah, I uh, I really think that. Mm. And I haven't seen enough from. 2019 New Japan Kenta to comment really but I suspect that Hinare can go faster than Kenta can at this point so I'll give him that one uh I'm I'm gonna disagree one and again they can they can light the fire to anybody right and and put somebody over the top and make them a star New Japan's pretty fucking good at that uh there's there's nothing that that is shown me any reason to believe that's going to happen, right? I feel like picked up a win on one of these shows. Okay, so does Bushi. You want to put Bushi in there? Can you imagine? <laughs> right? I'm just saying. I like, and I don't like Hanari. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying he sucks or you know. But but there's. I mean, again, they can heat up anybody. Look, I'm taking I'm taking the idea and the prospect of a Kenta and a John Moxley over Hanari any day of the week. And I'll say if they aren't around next year for G1, I guarantee you New Japan Pro Wrestling will have someone comparable taking their place. And that's not Hanari. Sorry. Sticking with our best friend Joe Lanza. I was listening to his Patreon-exclusive daily G1 updates, which is definitely worth your $5 a month. And he was talking about the size of the New Japan roster and the way that they're able to rotate between the A block and the B block shows. And not only that, but there's a whole list of names who are not even working the G1 tour, which, uh, I, I mean, I'll rattle off some of these names. We've got Sho, Yo, Kojima, Nagata, Nakanishi, Gorillas of Destiny, Hikuleo, Robbie Eagles, El Fantasmo, Taguchi, Tiger Mask, Ishimori, Mikey Nichols, Makabe, Doki, Dragon Lee, Rocky Romero, Alex Coughlin, Takamichinoku. So they've got a big roster at this point, uh, and I would say that's a healthy thing. Do you agree? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they, they can weave the people that you mentioned in and out very easily, but also, you know, at the same time, they, they, there's not a pressing need for any of those at this time, right? They have enough bodies that they can put in the undercard tags. They have the young lions that that use this opportunity to work with the big names on, you know, as they work B block, A block underneath tags. They get to work with some of the best people in the business, right? So they're learn. It's look, they have that sorted. It's figured out in the sense of it's 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 a constant wheel churning of put this guy on the fire, take this guy off the fire, cool them off, let them rest, and at the same time you're developing your stars. I look I, to me, this is the model of how you run a a pro wrestling company. It, if to me, it really is. And again. We can bitch and moan in certain cases. Tag title situation, of course. Uh, why is this guy getting a win, a push? Absolutely. But you can do that with any company. But for overall 
how this is how you run a pro wrestling company. To me, they set the bar. They are the model of which people should follow because they have that fucking shit figured out. Look at that. How many people did you rattle off? Like 10, 15 people? And these aren't, these aren't, you know, these are people that people recognize. These are names people recognize. And right now they're, they're able to rest and, 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 and collect themselves and get their, their quote, real lives together while G1 goes on. And then they're back right in the mix in a, in a, in a month. How could you, I, know, I mean, also, I was going to say it'd be very important for the Western expansion where you're doing all these extra shows in, like the uh, you know the Philly show, the Lowell show that's coming up. It will be important to have guys who are fresh and give other guys who have just done a grueling G one the chance to rest up a bit. Yeah, I mean, listen, and and here's the thing, you know, they've got some important shows. They got the London show coming up at the Copper Box, right? Which, you know, to me. I mean, we could speculate on on some of the things maybe a little bit maybe a little bit later on, but um, you know that's going to be hot. You know that's going to be um, they're, they're going to have matches that are going to be worthy of the ticket purchase. Let's put it that way. Um, and you got to keep guys fresh, and you got to keep talent fresh. Look, I, I just think that they have they have that figured out. They really do. Um, for all the complaints people want to throw New Japan's way about booking and all that. Look, this this is how you run a pro wrestling company, and I, and I and you cannot complain about that. Let's move on to the uh, main G one tournament matches. So, night two, this was in Tokyo, the Ota City General Gymnasium. They drew an attendance of four thousand and seventy four, which is a little bit up from the anniversary show, which they ran in the same venue, which got four thousand. And is up from both of last year's G1 openers, which featured Okada versus Jay White, which drew 3,907, and Naito and Kenny Omega, which did 3,826. So, something to be said there. Again, we're always saying it. The product is hot at the moment. It's going. People are into it. And I would say this is a feather in the cap for, particularly, I mean, you look at the main event of this. This is Jay White and Hiroki Goto, not the biggest stars in the company, but drawing a very healthy number there. Yeah. I, I I'm not worried about the the Japanese fans coming out at this point. I'm not worried about a drop off there. And I think G1 is an, is is a draw there. And I think um, the New Japan brand is is a draw there. And again, going back and, and again, just to touch on the Dallas thing one more time. Again, it's not the number that's the problem. It's the number in that building that's the problem in in you know American Airlines Center. That was the problem. It was the aesthetics. Um, but like 4,800 people, you know, that's, you know, you put that in a 5,000 seat building, that looks fucking great. Um, yeah, so that's a good number, constant growth. That's what you're looking for. Constant improvement, constant growth. Um, and and I'm not worried about that from a Japanese audience at this point. And we can officially confirm that Hiroki Goto is a bigger draw than Kenny Omega. So there you go. You can can have that one for free. All right. So the first G1 match that we had on this card was um, Juice Robinson defeating Shingo Takagi Woo! in 40 minutes 41 with a pulp friction. Damon, I love this match. Me too. This is great. And I'm really enjoying this little contest that Will Ospreay and Shingo seem to be having for wrestler of the year. It's like every time Will goes out there and has a killer match, then Shingo is going out there and having a match that is, in a lot of people's eyes, as good. 
he's working different styles as well. And what I really loved here was the drastic change in dynamics from the best of the super juniors, where Shingo's bigger than everyone. He's out muscling them. In a lot of cases, he's... <coughs> excuse me. Oh, sunflower. Sunflower. In many cases, in best of the super juniors, he's like physically towering over his opponents. But now, this match, Juice is bigger. And Shingo's having to work even harder to try and knock a guy like Juice off his feet. And I thought this match made Juice look like an absolute badass. And he's not here to fuck about, kids. Juice Robinson, he's here to win. He's a serious wrestler. So this was a great match. Some really brilliant moments. I like the pulp friction countered into the Noshigami. And also the fact that Juice needed to use all of his moves to put away Shingo. So, I mean, Shingo, he's not running the block here, but he's going to be really hard to defeat. So what do you think of the match? What do you think of the decision to have Juice win? I, I like both. I don't have a problem with, with uh, Shingo taking a loss. I like the fact that they're the first match, right? They, they set this bar, it feels like. And, and again, I say Will and uh, Shingo. Like they kind of, it, it felt like they are setting a bar for all the other guys in the back to say, okay, uh, we're here. <laughs> right? we're, we're, this, is, this is what you got you to gotta beat. Um, when it comes to match quality, and you're right, he is neck and neck with Will in my eyes. I mean, he, what a fucking year he's having! And there are people that are going to set and that are going to say, you know, he he's my wrestler of the year. I I can't, I I can't sit there and hand wave that. What a fucking talent this guy is! And here's the thing: he's good. It wasn't too long ago, and 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 they probably won't mention it, but. Okay. Uh, I mean, he was in Champion Carnival a few years ago. Not that long ago. Um, Last year, I think. I remember yeah. he had that amazing match with Shuji Ishikawa. Yep, that final. Fucking great. Uh, so, again, he's not... This is not a, a, a foreign concept for him on how to work these tournaments. He's strong. And Juice. Look, I love no-nonsense Juice. I love no-bullshit Juice. Um... He's not doing those wacky promos at the end, is he now? Right? And I think... No, it seems like he's sort of taken a vow of silence after what's happened with Moxley. Right. Right. And and that Moxley match has done more for him to help change the perception of him. Look, I always, I, I, I always say this, that to make a star, to get people to a certain level, there has to be a grit and there has to be a sandpaper element to a person's character where if they have to fight and they have to be serious and gritty that that is what helps them get to that next level right right that seriousness that that there has to be that and that's what that Moxley match did. And that's what this this G1 is doing. Like, Juice overpowered and outmuscled and outmaneuvered the guy who going into the tournament is coming off a hot streak by being able to do that with every one of the juniors. And I like the idea that Juice wasn't fucking having it. Wasn't fucking having it. Uh, again, it didn't make Shingo look like a pushover. He was there... You know, neck and neck, right there with him. But at the end of the day, it was Juice who found a little bit more juice to get him over the hump. And I like the way that they booked that. It, in no way did it hurt Shingo. Uh, but in a lot of ways, 
it helped Juice. Honestly, at the moment, Juice Robinson, he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the company. He's just, he's got it all. I think he's pretty much the complete package at this point. Even the little touches, like the way he moves his body to, oh dear, move his body to like lever it. My bag just fell off the table. Oh no. Um, like, you know, when he's going for a pinfall, just the way he moves his body to, to get the full leverage and his facial expressions are great. Good eyebrows for that. Um, little things like when his knees go wobbly, and now, like you said, he's getting a serious main event look with a haircut and yeah. he's just looking like he's got a real intensity about him. And I think he needs to be more than the guy who is there to carry the WWE cast offs to decent matches. I agree. And he, again, let's not downplay the fact that even, you know, to a, to a small degree, the, the ring gear is toned down a little bit. Um, a little bit, not, you know, he's not bright pink toned down a little bit. Um, the haircut, right. You know, signifying that there's a, it's, it's a different guy. It's a different mindset that those are all, you know, little subtle things, but are important things that play into the role of, okay, juice, serious. He can fight if he has to, he has sandpaper and grit to his game now that maybe he didn't have before. Next match then in the B block was John Moxley defeating Tai Chi in 7 minutes 36 with a Death Rider. Now, I enjoyed this match a lot. It was really fun. I liked having Shota Umino, or Shooter, as Mox is calling him now, carrying the US title. But the thought did occur to me, and other people have said it too, is there more to John Moxley than walk and brawl plunder matches? Which I did think at the time. And I think to some extent, the match with Jeff Cobb, which we'll talk about later, has answered that and assuage some of my fears but the the walk and brawl the plunder stuff it worked with tai chi given the nature of tai chi's character as well he likes a bit of the the plunder use of the weapons so it was good here but i want to see how moxley does with other people can he mesh with the different stars in the company but another thing and i got this vibe well actually i was watching a youtube video from forrest sober who, who brought up this point seeing this match i was getting damon versus tito santana vibes you know what I mean when I say that? It was taking shit. I ain't bumping for you, brother. Yeah, I ain't bumping for you, brother. <laughs> he yeah. didn't take any bumps for Taichi. Yeah. And I don't know if this is disrespect for Taichi or if this is just Moxley trying to ease himself into the tournament physically. Taichi made Moxley look great. Taichi, you know, going through tables, flying all over the place, made Moxley look like a million bucks. But he did not bump once. Tai Chi mm-hmm. and from this point on I'm counting the number of bumps that Moxley takes in his matches and I'll tell you how many when, you talk, when we talk about the Jeff Cobb match I'll tell you how many took. or maybe you can have a guess let's make it okay. fun I mean this is seen as a quiz based show I'll, I'll come back to you when we're talking about the Jeff Cobb Moxley match but I've got my eye on him because I want to make sure that he's fully committed to this G1 you think he's sandbagging watching this, mm, not, he... not that but I think he might have half an eye on commitments that he has with AEW stateside thinking hmm well I, I better not push myself too hard in these matches don't need to bump for this guy I'm not going to take this bump I'm not going to take that bump because you know I've got a big match with Kenny Omega coming down the line in uh, All Elite right okay I listen I think that's a fair statement and and again it's not hard to to sit there and 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 say hey, this is what I'm saying right the proof's in the pudding 
but let's be honest here. I, I this was my biggest concern going into G one with John Moxley was one is this style is easy does he mesh well with with you know the roster of and and the talent that's there and yes when people start talking I like I like seeing John Moxley because it's different and he he sticks out like a sore thumb and I agree but how far does that go after night 6 you're still going to feel the same way right uh that was a concern of mine we go back and listen right uh and it and it seems to me that that is coming true that that style might be a little bit of a okay okay we kind of, anything else in there any anything else you got there Johnny okay um i didn't notice the amount of bumps to be truthful i didn't it did seem a little bit one sided to a, to a certain degree but yeah i i i i'm curious now 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 i'm going to have my eye on that and I think all of our listeners will have their eye on that. And again, some people might be, oh, it's a style, but okay. All right. But yeah, let's keep an eye on that. Because if, you, if you're if you noticing that and it's sticking out like a sore thumb for you, uh, let's, uh, that might be something we, we uh, need to be mindful of as we move along in the G1. Lewis asks, with everything going on during the G1, do you guys love the whole Moxley-Umino being best buds? How long before Moxley breaks poor Umino's heart and betrays him? We've spoken about this before. I think it's a smart way to have Moxley, give Moxley someone to tag with on these undercard matches. So, um, like I said, I enjoyed Shota carrying his US title for him. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, Looking forward to seeing more fun stuff in the backstage promos as well. Yeah, it's something different. It's something, you know, so it gives people an, an, a, a you know a reason to tag together, which I you know you, you can't hand away that. I like the look of it. Like you know, he's still going through the crowd like he did back in the day. He's got a he's got he's got a, he's got a little handler taking care of his title. I like it. You know, wearing a t shirt. I think it's cool. I, I actually enjoy it. I think it's a good dynamic. Next match was Toriano defeating Tetsuya Naito with a roll up in three minutes forty two, and the story of this match being the t shirt. Naito didn't want to take the t-shirt off, so Yano didn't take his t-shirt off. I thought this was really good. It was funny. I like Naito doing his slow motion undressing, like when he's just standing there with half of his trousers hanging off one leg, and he's just staring at Yano, and Yano's just going absolutely out of his mind. I found that really amusing. And that bit where he did the delayed combination cabron, where Yano's covering his face, and Naito's just standing there and waiting and waiting, and then Yano moves his hands down and he just kicks him in the face I, I thought this was good served a purpose you know you don't need every match to be a war we talk about it all the time and what the function of Yano is in the G1 and having him pull off a big upset against Naito henceforth makes all of these Yano matches quite dramatic because you think well he's pinned Naito he could pin anyone here right that's the one thing that I always enjoy about that right um, as much as people want to hand wave a Yano match those three or four minutes are you know, it's a high wire act because you're right. If Tanahashi could take a fall, if Naito could take a fall, if whomever could take a fall, anybody could take a fall in any situation. That's good. That, that to me, that element, and again, I'm not sitting here getting on the fucking Yano bandwagon and, and, and going to tell you he's my favorite wrestler, 
but his matches do provide that element that sometimes is even better than the main events, right? That look, we love those main events. One of the main reasons is are, are those near falls and those kickouts and you know the idea of oh is this it no this is it this has got to be it this oh that element right that that's the shit that gets you out of your chair what yano does is condense it in three fucking minutes right from the from the minute the bell rings it's all right you're on the edge don't fucking lose the yano that's what that's what i hear people screaming at their tvs don't fucking lose the no fucking that's what i hear but that's good that's that. I mean, who else gets a reaction like that? You think? I mean, seriously, you think Lance Archer's getting a reaction like that? You, you know, even though Lance Archer's doing a great job, and you know, we could talk about that in a second. But um, nobody's getting a reaction like that. Tell me another guy who's getting a reaction like Yano does in those three minutes. In three minutes, so do you get that? Do you get that with with Okada? You get that at the end, but you can, you know, you know, you got to wait till the end. That's been one of the biggest complaints people have had is that uh, we know, you know, we got to get to the 20 minute mark before we start hitting that. Three minutes in, three minutes, a minute in. It's yeah. like a Brock Lesnar match, it's got the same level of chaos and unpredictability. It does, right? But it's better. Yeah. I'm look, you get you, you. The problem is, is that. It feels like you you're only going to get one of those surprise ones, uh, uh, a G one. It's not like every match is going to have that. So you kind of talk yourself out of it as once you see something like that, it's like ah, oh, okay, well that's that. You might not see another one of them. But but even so, I really wish they would give Yano maybe one more of those fuckers. That would be great. Again, it just keeps you on your toes. It keeps you honest. I like that, and it's exciting. I can't name another fucking guy that that gives you that. Fale, no. Yano's Yano might be the smartest fucking guy in that company. Three minutes, easy peasy shit, but fucking brings it. He brings that level of 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 panic because you don't want to see your guy be the guy to take the. You think Naito fans were wanted to fucking jump out a window after they saw that? They couldn't believe it. It's good. It's fun. I I, I enjoy. It. I like that. Next match was one that's going to be very popular for a lot of people. Tomohiro Ishii defeating Jeff Cobb in 80 minutes 33 with a vertical drop brain buster. Pants down for this one, Damon. How how great is Tomohiro Ishii? Just little things like you hear that he called that pull-apart brawl in Dallas on yeah. the fly. That wasn't planned. He was just like, let's keep going. Let's do a pull-apart. Because not only is he a brilliant wrestler, but he's got a great mind for the business. This was an awesome match. I said on Twitter, it's like, when you're a kid, you have your two Hasbro wrestler toys and you're just smashing them together. That's what this match was. Another little thing that stood out to me, this is not a criticism, more of an observation, but Jeff Cobb did look a bit sluggish. He was a clear step behind Ishii in terms of the pace. So I don't know if this was a result of the match going pretty long, 18 minutes, that Cobb blew up and he got tired, which is fine because you would get tired if you're in an 18-minute battle a war with Tomohiro Ishii. But again, just something to keep an eye out going forward. Jeff Cobb's conditioning and his pace in these matches. Has he got what it takes to keep up with the very best in the company? Because based on this one, I, I mean, it's, again, I'm not complaining. This was a fucking great match. So it's a minor, minor thing that occurred to me. Yeah. I mean, look, 
he's I'm not making excuses, but I think that will improve as the tournament goes on. Um the amount of preparation these guys do training wise, getting ready for this tour is I mean they're they know the cardio that's involved. I mean Jeff's a big guy. And he, and you're right, he's in there with Ishii and he's, you know, probably just getting off a fucking airplane. Um so I'm sure there's some element of jet lag. Um and let's not let's not it's hot there right now. <laughs> Those buildings are fucking sweat boxes at this point. Um summertime in Japan it's whew, brutal. Um uh, again, not making excuses, but I I I don't I'm not worried about Jeff Cobb's conditioning. And especially as we we move on in this tournament, I, I'm um, I'm I'm okay. Did I notice that he looked a little bit gassed out? Yeah, I think a lot of people pointed it out to me too. But again, a, a minor minor critique, uh, and I think that will improve as that goes on. And yeah, this match was this match was exactly as advertised, right? I mean, I don't think anybody was looking for finesse spots with Jeff Cobb and Ishi. Uh, it got it delivered what it, what it what it was advertised as to me. Um, I, uh, I I'm uh, how do I say this without making people upset? It's a one trick pony. It's a great one trick pony. Does Ishi? feel to you like there's really not a lot of what like I guess my question is this what do you do with Ishii in the sense of this is what you got there's really nothing like he, I, if you turned Ishii and made him heal he's still the same Ishii right there's just not a lot of range with what you get with Tomohiro Ishii right what you get is what you get what else do you do with the guy you just leave them the same? Are you like what? I, I guess in uh, what what shined through in this match is is I could take this match and I could put this a year ago, three years ago, five years ago. It's the same Tomohiro Ishii. It's great, but it is the same thing at least with like Okada, right? And I'll I'll just use Okada as a, as a reference. There were subtle changes. I mean, again, last year with him having a fucking breakdown. Uh, and a midlife crisis, I felt like. And even before, when he first debuted, there are subtle changes to him, right, that occur during his tenure with New Japan Pro Wrestling. There has been absolutely nothing subtle, nothing <laughs> nothing significant. What change has Tomohiro Ishii gone through in, I don't know, five years with New Japan Pro Wrestling? I was not expecting when we logged on today that I would have Damon criticizing Tomohiro Ishii's lack of nuance. <laughs> and you're not alone, though. There are other people, particularly on our discords, who have said similar things to you, that the whole Ishii gimmick doesn't resonate with them. So I don't think you're alone with that. But it, I think it, it's kind of like, uh, like having a pizza. You know what you're going to get. You know it's going to be good. Pizza's always good. And okay. it doesn't have to be particularly sophisticated. It's hitting all the right spots for you. And you're just like, pizza, fuck yeah. Okay, but it can be sophisticated. And it can, you you could get wacky and put pineapple on it, Joel. 
right? You could maybe a bad analogy there. Maybe I, a McDonald's cheeseburger. I like a McDonald's cheeseburger. Okay. Not very fancy. Right. It's good shit. Alright. You call Tomo here Ishi a McDonald's cheeseburger? Maybe I am. Yeah, <laughs> I am. All right. All right. And here's the thing, again, no one is complaining about match quality. No one is complaining about the, the fucking guy can go. Nobody's complaining that he is a valuable piece of New Japan's pie. No one is debating the fact that you tap him on the shoulder and you're getting you're getting a banger. No one's complaining. It's been the same for five years, right? There's been no, there's been no nuance, as you as you said. To ch- and again, maybe that's 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 the that's what he is, and that's his charm, right? Even with Shibata, it felt like there there could be a, like little things that are. I, I don't name me one thing that has been different about Tomohiro Ishii in five years. One thing, t-shirt. All right, there you go. That's that's really it. That's really it. All right, there you go. But match, fucking great. One of my favorites of the tournament so far. Main event for the show was Hiroki Goto defeating Jay White in 21 minutes, 6 seconds with the GTR. Goto looking in fantastic shape. He's really slimmed down a lot from the work that he's been doing in LA at the Shibata Dojo. And hopefully it kickstarts something because... um, I don't want to see him being a geek anymore. He's a really good wrestler. I enjoy watching him in these big spots. He always delivers to me. Now, this match, I think your enjoyment of it, well, the first half of it in particular, hinges on if you like Jay White control periods, which I do. I find them compelling. But if you don't, then you might have found the first half of this match boring. Second half of the match, great. Goto's offense is brilliant. All of his moves look really painful. I liked seeing him bust out the Shotokai, Kai and there was like a little modified Ushigoroshi there. I liked him pulling Jay White's hair to stop him. Um, the rope running, the directional changes, I really like that as well. Um, one thing I would say I think Jay White needs to do, and a lot of other people said it, we've got to stop with the ghetto interference because I don't think, it's, I don't think stopping that would make him any less of an effective heel. I think we've established he's a bad guy. He's a prick. People are going to boo him anyway, but it just just kind of takes the air out of a match, takes the momentum out of a match when Ghetto gets involved. But I thought this was really good. This was better than their match at Hinokuni, and I enjoyed it a lot. I thought this was very good. And and you made mention of something that, you know, you left this show, and you turned off your stream, and you thought, okay, that's a big name Hiroki Goto got a got a win over, right? In 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 the in the pecking order of New Japan Pro Wrestling, it felt like Goto, you know, the, the roles were reversed where Goto beat an established guy, right? And usually, you know, for years it was the other way around where people were pinning him to 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 kind of get a rub. And you were left with okay, that 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 that's good. Maybe this is something where Goto doesn't turn into the fucking Yoshihashi bag of socks. And everybody's happy. But then, and again, I'm not saying that Goto is going to run the fucking table, Joel. But then you followed up with a big fat L, right? To a guy that, to me, felt like a guy that Goto should beat, right? Now, 
I don't know. It, I, I just, it was just weird to me. I, I disagree with you there, but again, we'll come on to that when we talk about Juice versus okay. Bottle, because I do have my thoughts on that feud, but uh, okay. I'll save them. But it felt like, okay, you know, uh, I guess where we are in 2019, uh, maybe not, but it felt to me like you beat Jay White, but you, I don't, uh, okay. Uh, all right. Getting back to this match, though. Was this, uh, was this, where would you put this in Jay White's catalog? I put it near the top. I thought this match was really fucking solid. Really good. And yeah, there were little nitpicky things like the interference that kind of took me out of it a little bit. But that closing stretch was really fucking solid. I think I would have it in the top 10. I don't know if it would crack the top five. And again, this is a question that I was going to bring up to you later when we talk about Ishii versus Jay White and what Jay White's best match is. But off the top of my head, the Kenny Omega match at New Beginning was very good. The Okada match at Wrestle Kingdom, I loved. Um, The Juice Robinson match last year in the States was excellent. The uh, the main event, the IWGP title match at Madison Square Garden was also outstanding. So, again, I don't know if this will crack the top five. Probably not. Probably somewhere between six and ten for me. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, if, if it breaks the top five, it would be the lower of the five. But um, I thought it was really good. And you're right, all those other matches were, were, were solid as well. So, yeah, I mean, look... It's taken a while, but I think people are starting to come around to the fact that Jay White can put on some pretty great matches. Um, you're, and I think you're right in the analysis of if you're not into Jay White control periods, the beginning might be a little bit of a struggle. But again, I think the more, I think the more the more people come around to, to Jay, the more that they'll kind of wrap their heads around those control periods. So um, I liked it. I thought it was good. I would put it really close to his top five matches in New Japan. Mark asks us, does Goto play knocked the fuck out better than anyone else? Suzuki and Jay have both murdered Goto live on NJPW World before our eyes now. Yeah, I thought he was seriously yeah. hurt in the middle of this match. He's just an amazing job. Like, he just... He's just on the ground a little bit too long, uh-huh. and he's a little bit too slow to respond to the point where you think, "Ah, oh, this guy's seriously hurt." Yeah, that that one, and again, people always kind of go back to that Suzuki match from Wrestle Kingdom, that choke spot. Um, yeah, he does. He does play. He does. He does do that very well. There, it's pretty weird how there are certain people that do certain things really well, like a little subtle. Like you know, I always say, like I think Kenny Omega does the best ragdoll. Like when he gets fucking rocketed into a corner and he just ragdolls in there, I think he does that fucking tremendously. Um, you know, just a little tiny thing. It's I don't know. I, the other thing that pops in my head is like maybe like Bret Hart. You know, when he runs into the turnbuckles, I I, I don't like he does that face first chest into the turnbuckle thing where he gets whipped in. Like I don't think there's anybody else that does it any better than Bret Hart doing that. Um, An Okada drop kick maybe right. Um, but even even you know even the Goto thing is even a little bit more subtle than than doing that. But yeah, yeah, I agree. He's he's one of the best at that, no doubt. Let's move on to night three. So this is Sunday, July fourteenth, uh, in the same menu, Oak City General Gymnasium, and we open up here the G one matches with Lance Archer defeating Bad Luck Farley. 
with the EBD claw in Ooh. 10 minutes. 12. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go, 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 go. I'm sorry. My bad. I know I complain about ghetto interference, but I think having Jado there smartly positioned Lance Archer as the de facto babyface in a match between two monster heels. So I thought that was a good little touch that clearly signified that Archer was the babyface here and Farley was the heel. And I like the fact that there is that fluidity during the G1 for people to move roles like that. We said it before, Lance Archer is absolutely killing it in this G1. His charisma, his ferocity, athleticism, all just on point. Great spots in this match. Like the dive where they did the superplex and Marty Asami took a bump because the ring just absolutely... I don't know. Language has failed me at this point, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And the, the tease of the blackout from the turnbuckle, even did the pounce here. And people like to rag on bad luck, Farley. I thought he worked hard here. I think he's working hard. Farley's fine. And my thing, he, we're getting clean finishes. He ate a pin here and it doesn't happen often. So I thought this match was pretty enjoyable. It was like, yeah. you know, did you ever watch Power Rangers? Where yeah. towards the end of the episode, they get the Megazord out and they'd have to fight a giant monster and they just sort of kind of crash into each other. That, that's kind of what this match was like. And, uh, you know, I say this a lot, but I appreciate the variety. So yeah. I thought this was a decent match. What, what do you think about the EBD claw? Um, I, again, I think it's something that has to be established. Um I kind of like it more of a tap out, and I understand why it's not a tap out kind of move. Um, I think it's here's the problem: it's a big. You usually, he usually is setting it up after a big move, whether it be a, like a choke slammy thing or some type of power bomb or something, and then he just kind of mounts the, on top of them, right, with the claw to get the pin. I don't know; it, it does. Eh, uh, you know, anything can be a finisher, but I just think that the execution hasn't really been fleshed out. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like an awkward transition to the pimp. Um, so, Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? No. I actually have never have. But go ahead. Uh, there's a, a scene in it, well, there's a big battle, uh, a duel, rather, between uh, Oberyn Martell and Gregor Clegane. And at the end of it, Gregor Clegane, who's like a big sort of Lance Archer monster type, mounts this smaller person and does a kind of claw thing and like pushes his thumbs into his eyes and it's it's really gross so I think maybe he was sort of trying to go for something like that but I agree with you I think it works as a exclamation point after a big high impactful finishing move like if he does for example the blackout and then immediately does the claw for the pinfall it's like the claw's kind of academic at that point I think that would be the way to go forward with it yeah yeah um I, I, I'm excited to talk about this match because to me, Lance Archer has done something that not many people have done in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that is squeezed out a really good match out of Bad Luck Fale. And you could name those people on one hand who have done that. Lance Archer... Look, I don't know if he's got family members that New Japan has kidnapped <laughs> and they've said, you're never going to see these people again unless you perform at this elite level. Right now, you can't sit here and tell me that Lance Archer is not, you know, a top five guy in, in G1. Again, we're two nights in, mind you. But he has... Uh, li- 
I think for everybody, has outperformed even their expectations that they had. People had expectations for Lance, and they wanted him to perform at a high level, and they kind of set the bar for him, and I think he has exceeded that. Again, he got a really good match at a bad luck folly. I loved this match. I thought this was really well done. I had no and and trust me, there were moments where it was like, okay, well here's our here's our here's our our uh, easy way for neither guy to have to take a pinfall. We're gonna go outside the ring and plunder and we're gonna do the tent day and do it. Bad luck folly took a fall. And you're right. Not many people do that. Not many people Bushi got one, but but you get my point. It's bad luck folly. And he's there for a reason. And he helped get over Lance Archer. And Lance Archer is doing himself no faults in this tournament so far. I don't know what it is with him and and Will. They just have this fucking chemistry and this and this this uh uh cohesion. They work well together. Perfect, perfect, perfect uh, dance partners. And I think everyone was a little bit worried going into night two or you know for this block with Fale. Fucking Lance Archer hit a home run. Lance Archer performed a pro wrestling miracle. And for that, he deserves all the fucking recognition in the world. Now, he's gotten over a big hurdle. He got, he's got a good match out of, out of Fale. This guy's going to wind up having a tournament that people are going to talk about and people are going to remember. And... I don't know if Davy Boy Smith Jr. was 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 a shackle. I don't know if KES as a whole was a shackle. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was. But everybody talked about, hey, you know what? Lance Archer might be the the uh, a really good monster. Or Lance Archer might guess what? He's making the most of his uh, of his opportunity and he now has become a guy that you could easily put him in in a title situation. You know, he's a credible challenger. You can put him in a, in, a, in a program, and you can now have another guy at your arsenal that can fill a role of a guy that can eat a pin to a champion to help get them over and have it be credible. Excellent job all the way around. Excellent job. I was speculating on Twitter that I think Archer would be great for a never title run, but then at Smooth Wrestling said it would be even better for him to have the US title because think about it, he's the American psycho. So I think that would be something cool to do going forward. And it was funny in the backstage promos, Lance Archer telling people to complain on Twitter. Oh, keep going on Twitter and saying that I don't deserve to be here. But everyone on Twitter is saying how brilliant he's been. He's received like almost universal praise for his outstanding performances. So I haven't seen anyone yeah. on Twitter complaining, Lance. So yeah. sorry, if you want us to complain, you need to start having brilliant matches. Great <laughs> promo though. His promos are top notch. And I think he's now the premier big man in the company. He's kind of taken Farley's spot. Yep. And I, I feel that Farley, he's starting to be transitions. Just little things like, you know, he had to cheat to be evil. And he's got Jado with him with the kendo stick to help him. Maybe they're starting to gradually phase him into ha- having a more sort of ambassadorial role or, or connections with the Farley dojo in bringing in talent from the New Zealand area. So, yeah, could, could be something to keep an eye out going forward i agree i i agree with that i want to be surprised with that I, and and you know the guy's paid his dues 
it's been with the company forever, it feels like. Look, I, and again, Lan- anybody who's complaining about Lance Archer in this G1 is, is fucking lost. Fucking lost. Uh, you know, he's, he's, we had expectations. We had wants. We had things that we were looking forward to seeing from him. And I think he has exceeded everyone's expectations. I got no complaints about Lance Archer. Next match was Will Ospreay defeating Sanada in 17 minutes, six seconds with a Stormbreaker. Ask your question off the bat, David. Will Ospreay broke the Paradise Lock. Pants up or pants down? What do you think of that? I hate the Paradise Lock. I Expose it for what it is as a fucking fraud. <laughs> yeah, and it did feel like he did do that. Um, uh, look, I would be very happy to never see it ever again. I, I just think it's silly. I don't... I, and I know it's pro wrestling, people. You don't have to explain it to me. Um, I just, I just don't find it. I, I, I actually ugh, sigh of ugh, when I say it. It actually takes me out of matches. So I'm good. I agree with you, but it either works as a wrestling move in the wrestling world, or it doesn't work. Right. So if Osprey's just suddenly bounced out of it, you can't do it anymore. Now that's it. Retire the paradise lock because you can't have. It working on everyone else, but then one guy is suddenly, hey, yeah, I just got out of that, no problem. Right. If if a guy like Zach, if, if Spaghetti Zach can't get out of it, why? How can Will? You know, yeah. It, it, trust me, when I saw it, I was like, he's going to get slapped right in the fucking mouth for that one. <laughs> like, I yeah, like, I was wondering if if that was a conversation beforehand. Like, um, say, can I bust out of the paradise lock? Yeah, okay. I can't imagine that being a thing. Right. Right. I mean. I, he couldn't have been too happy with that. I don't know. It didn't feel like it was like a something that was talked about before back back in the locker room. He popped out of that like it was nothing, and I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> oh, hey, all right, uh, yeah." Maybe he didn't have it locked on properly, uh, Joel. Maybe he didn't you know? Maybe uh, Osprey was able to uh, move his left arm. Fucking nonsense! Paradise lock. Ugh. I don't know anybody who likes that move. I don't know anyone who does. I don't know anybody who sits there and is like, yay, Paradise Lock. Everybody I know is just like, oh, what the fuck? This move. All right. Uh, Good match, though, wasn't yeah. it? Like Great transitions. I like the fact that it seemed that Osprey and Sonata knew each other's moves. They've been studying each other's moves. A lot of really cool counters between the Stormbreaker and the Skull Ends. They dovetailed into each other quite nicely. And I thought these guys really complemented each other well. Incredible closing stretch. And just... Another notch in Osprey's cat, and Sonata as well deserves credit because he's had two excellent matches with Zach and now Will. So, good job all round. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and here's the one thing that I'm noticing with with Sonata, and I don't know where he found this. I don't know what magic elixir he's been drinking. I don't know if he took a took a quick hop off from Dallas uh, to Mexico. Where's he getting this fucking uh, charisma from? Where's he getting this playing to the crowd stuff? Where's he getting this? Uh, it seems like uh, an awakening. Like he doesn't seem like he is cold skull. He seems to be a little bit more fiery and a little bit more passion and a little bit more f- uh, flavor um, in his matches. Am I am I out of my mind in saying this? Because it's adding an extra level that's making me a lot more interested in him than than just fucking him staring off into space. I'm digging it uh, and and I'm noticing it. I had noticed it last year. He was doing that where he sort of kind of signals to the crowd. 
kind of ging them up, who want some more noise from them. But he does seem to be doing it more effectively this year. Maybe he's seen what's happened to Yoshihashi and he's thought, fuck, I don't want to end up like him. I better was, start showing some charisma here. Yeah, that was the road he was on. I mean, there's only so far far silent brooding is going to take you, right? And, you know, unless you're a fucking complete badass, which he, which he isn't, you know, which he isn't. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know. There's something, there's something happening there to me. And uh, <laughs> something happening. No, I think he's, uh, I think he's finding something that wasn't there. At least I'm noticing something that wasn't there. A couple of questions here about Osprey. Kyle says, in light of Osprey being pulled out of the tag match today, do you think he continues the whole tournament or does he just tough it out through the Karakuan shows? And Nicole says, regardless of the final prognosis on Will's neck, does this serve as a cautionary tale for New Japan? Is this the last time we see someone work every tournament? Mm. We we had concerns last week, didn't we? This is, That's a lot what we were talking about. That's schedule. That's how we got into our schedule, schedule, schedule conversation. Um, look, he's going to get hurt. <laughs> you can't work that style and not work hurt. Um, I just think that they're being smart and they're saving him for the matches that are most important, right? I mean, I mean, yes, you could put him in an underneath tag and have him do his thing, and but he's stupid. We know, we all know, he's a dope. And he's not going to work a style. He's not going to be T-shirt Will, right? That does. That's not a part of his vocabulary. So he's going to do some stupid dive in a in a meaningless tag match to build up his match for his tournament match. You know it. He here's what New Japan did. They did this for his own fucking good. Is what they did because he doesn't have the brains enough to to take a night off. Uh, and that's fine. I got no problem with it. He, 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 I'm sure he's working hurt. He's always working hurt. There's not a day on the calendar where that man is not working hurt. The company probably just had some had to step in and be a dad and say, no, Will, we're going to keep you out because you don't know well enough to not do this shit in a meaningless six-man tag. So we're going to keep you out, save it for the tournament matches when we really need you. What do you say about uh, Nicole's question about working every tournament? I think that's unnecessary. I don't think I need to see people doing best of the Super Juniors and the G1 on the regular. Maybe not on the regular. Maybe not on the regular. Um, it is a lot. It is a lot to ask of a person. But look, he wanted to do it. I, 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 how many times in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling has this happened? Not many. I mean, you have your Devits and you have Ligers and, you know. But in the history of New Japan, this is not something that happens all the time. And again, especially adding in the element of, of uh, the New Japan Cup and then adding the element of the Super J Cup, J Cup, not the J Cast, J Cup. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an, you know, he's, he's, he's putting the pedal to the metal when it comes to this fucking shit. So, look, he's going all in in this year. He knows. I think he I think he knows, he hears, and he wants to finally close out this year and be the guy who has his name as wrestler of the year. I think he really does. Um because to me, there's no logical reason why, any other reason why, uh, to do that kind of schedule. So 
to answer the question, yeah, I don't see the, see this being something that they do every single year. And I think Will is having a special year, and they want to make the most of it. Next match was Kazuchika Okada defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 12 minutes and one second with a Rainmaker. Damon, I absolutely love this match. It was refreshingly short. It was an intense sprint where Zack, according to his own uh, pre-match interviews, he had his heart set on winning this and main eventing Royal Quest, so he threw all of his best moves his best submissions, his best pinning combinations at Okada, but ultimately he rushed it when he should have taken his time. This had lots of really cool stuff. It had callbacks to Nakamura, who I think was the last person to make Okada tap out with the flying armbar thing. Just amazing 2.99 near full kickouts from Okada. There were so many moments where I thought, I've got him, he's got him. And Okada's selling as well. I thought he was about to tap out for a few of those moves tombstone spot where oh my god Zach, yes. he took that right on his head that one yeah very very he, ouchy he spread his arms and took it on his fucking head like the way he sold that pile was unbelievable like i like i i don't really recommend people doing that but it looked amazing right and then notice how like after that, Zach kind of reverses something, and then he puts him back into the octopus. And Zach is holding his—he's got it locked on. But then, with the other hand, he's holding his neck. He's rubbing his neck, and then he's like slapping his hands because he's got the tinglys because of the fucking pot. I loved that whole minute. I thought was just brilliant, brilliant pro wrestling. Honestly, Damon, this is my favorite match of the G1 so far. It's up there for me. It's in my top five. I know that. It might be my top three. Um, I watched it twice. Look, I love I love these two together. I am sorry. I, I, I just don't understand how people can hand wave Zach. I just find him so fucking entertaining in the ring. I just love the, 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 the creativity. I love the fact that everything he does is with a purpose of hurting somebody. Like, everything. Like, you could go to anybody and, oh, he's got him in an arm bar, and yeah, he's trying to wear down his arm, but okay. Everything looks like it is the ultimate in in inflicting pain and punishment. And the way that Zach, he, I love the way that he'll have somebody in, a, in, a, in something, some fucking tying up his arm and shit. And I love how it, watch his eyes. And he's just scanning the other person's body to say, okay, oh, there's there's the ankle. Whoop, zip. Oh, there's the other arm. Zip, boop. I love the way that he does that. Like everything has a purpose, and the purpose is to inflict pain. And I think that, that to me is the ultimate pro wrestler. Like there's not a wasted movement, there's not a wasted moment. And again, we say it all the time. What it might be the safest and I put that in air quotes, style of anybody on that roster, right? I mean, he spends 99% of the match on the, on the mat, you know? He's not taking crazy bumps. He's not landing on his head, minus that pile driver spot. So good. And then you add the extra element of maybe the greatest pro wrestler in our lifetime. How do you not have a great match? And they did. They had a great match. And yeah, it's probably my top three for the tournament so far. And also the way he mixes it up with it. Sorry, I've got a mouthful of snacks. What do you got? What do you eat? Mm, mm, power through here. What do you, what do you a little editing here. What are you chomping on? What do you got? Mr. Corn. 
Mr. Corn? Yeah, it's like a mix of um, garbanzo beans. Oh. Um, I think this is like crispy corn pieces. Okay. Um, this stays in the show, by the way. Bolitas. What's that? It's well, like little balls of like crispy corn, I think. Cacahuetes. Uh, peanuts. And I think they're raisins. Oh. It's a really nice combination. Really? I'm not feeling that, yeah. I don't like a raisin. <laughs> that sounds, that doesn't sound good at all. They're from but, Valencia. They're really good. Yeah. I'm really hungry because Mally's probably going out and have a nice dinner without me, but uh, oh, this I'm here just stuffing my face with snacks while we do this dumb podcast. <laughs> well, I was going to say. I'm oh, sorry. Is, uh, well, scale one to 10. I just want to scale one to 10 on the crisps. I know everybody's hanging on every word for the crisp talk. Um, these aren't crisps. It's a snack, so I can't. I can't answer that one. No. I did have, again, this my, this friend bought me from Spain. She's bought me two special bags of crisps. One of them is fried egg flavor. And the other one, which I've already eaten I ate earlier today, was um, Valencia paella flavor, which was great. Okay. It doesn't sound great, but all right. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I don't like raisins. I think raisins stink. All right. Very good. What, what else we got? Yeah, what I was going to say is I, the way Zach mixes in the flash pins as well, I think, is the icing on the cake because, you know, he'll be wrenching... Your arm, your wrist, your leg, and then suddenly, bang, there's a European clutch and he's pinned you. And he's also got the Zack driver as well. So it's so much to his game. Great stuff. Right, a lot of people have been asking questions about Royal Quest because a few people, myself included, were convinced that Zack was going to get the win here and then challenged for the title at Royal Quest. That doesn't appear that it's going to be happening. So what do you think we'll be getting for Royal Quest instead? Well, I know that... They are going to have an IWGP Heavyweight Championship title defense. That I know. I don't know exactly whom that will be. Um, give me some. Do you name. think there's a chance that it could be someone who's not in the G1? Well, yeah, it could yeah. I mean. Yes. I mean, we have a tournament we have to get through, right? We have a G1 that we have to get through. And I and I think that it's a safe statement that Okada is not going to go undefeated. I think that's safe. So you would think, okay, so if, if he takes a pinfall with someone, someone's getting a title shot. I mean, that was the whole thing with Zach. Could it be somebody who's not in? That would be a smart thing. You know, you sat there and talked about people who aren't in the G1, right? And who are, you know, being saved and, and, and again, being able to rest. I mean, there's one name that's pretty glaring. It's pretty popular and, and, and you know, seems, seems to be a popular guy, right? Um, so if you watch the... You're talking about the same person that I think you are. If you've been watching the backstage promos, someone who's been looking very, very, very pissed off lately and hasn't had much to say for himself apart from scowling at the camera. Yeah. I think we're talking about the same person. I think we are too. Yoshi. Uh, Enjoy all our (laughs) London viewers. (laughs) There you go. That's, That's the beauty of not knowing a card in advance. Uh, no, I mean, listen, if you're, uh, look, if, if, if it's somebody that, like you said, that is 
kind of waiting waiting in the wings and not doing anything, and I put that in the air quotes, I think Suzuki's a great guy that you could put in that spot. Um, I mean, it's not like we haven't seen that match in the past, but for that yeah, audience... It's not burning a, a first-time match, is it? But it's right. also a great match. I mean, when's the last time we saw it? Was it the last year's G1 or the Rain match? Which one came I, later? I think it was a G1 match. Maybe G1. Hey, keep it down. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a good name. That's a good name. But again, I think for me, you want to see how this tournament plays out, right? Because I would think that, well, here's the thing. If, he, if Okada's losing in this tournament, right? And this is no disrespect to everyone in London and the, and the Royal Crest audience. Quest? Crest? Um... If, if, if Okada loses to someone in this tournament, which he will, to me, that feels like that's a Japanese big show main event. Am I wrong in that? King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. To me, that's where you do that. To me. I don't know. I think... I know this is not a hot take. But I think you got to wait to see how this this G1 pans out. But to me, you take that G1 loss and you make that a main event on a big show in Japan. Suzuki's not a bad name. Suzuki's not a bad name mm-hmm. at all. And especially last year, there was a IWGP title defense off the back of G1 losses at Destruction as well as King of Pro Wrestling. So if you think they're doing one at Destruction as well, I can't see Okada taking many more than two losses in this G1. Maybe a draw. But, yeah, then you're sort of scrabbling around for something else for Royal Quest. So, who knows? We'll have to wait and see how the rest of the G1 pans out. But certainly, Suzuki is a guy who looks on menacingly in the distance. And I think he's got something up his sleeve. So, we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, Zach threw a little tantrum after this match backstage. He was throwing such a vicious tantrum that he knocked the, you know, the little screen thing with all the advertisers' logos and stuff. And he knocked that on the floor. So, Zach has taken losses to Sanada. He's taken a loss to Okada. I don't think Okada's going to be challenging for the Rev Pro title. We could get Sanada challenging for the Rev Pro title. Or someone else. Do you think we're going to see Zach uh, defending that RevPro British heavyweight title at Royal Quest? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a that's a given, right? I mean, I think. How do you not? How would you not have that? That would be a huge mistake. Um, right. I, I would think the odds-on favorite would be a Sonata, right? But I, you know what? I don't think Sonata is a big enough name. I don't think that's a match that British fans are going to think. Yes. We're going to see Sonata in a, a big title opportunity here. Huh. I think it's got to be someone bigger than that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got a loss Who's his next them? match against? Let me have a look. Just looking at the schedule here. Um, Thursday, Zack Sabre Jr. will be facing another winless competitor in the shape of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Ta- Tanahashi, right? Yeah. Hmm. So someone is going 0-3. Oh, 0-3, oh, yeah. Mm. You think, do you think Tana goes 0-3? Oh, or do you think Zach goes 0-3? Oh, well, if Zach goes 0-3, oh, then there's another person yeah. 
who has a win over Zach and is also a big enough name to put in a big spot at Royal Quest. So just throwing that out there. Again, we'll have to see how the rest of the G1 pans out. But I think, admittedly, we have seen that match at the New Japan Cup. We've seen the couple And we saw it at MSG. And we'll be seeing it in the G1. So if they go back to that, that'll be the fourth one this year. Still a fucking good match. Holy shit, yeah. All right, yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, if, if that, even if, again, let's wait to see what Okada's doing. Um, Sonata versus Zach, I would take. I would take that fucking right now. Um, Sonata, or Zach uh, Tanahashi, if that pans out, I would take. I thought they had a good match at uh, Madison Square Garden. Um. Okay. Either way, I, I'm, I'd be happy with either one of those. I like yeah. them. Yeah. Anyone who's got a ticket for that, you're going to get a great show yeah. either way. I'm sure they're going to pull out the stocks to put on some sexy matches there. So you don't have anything to worry about. And we're both pretty confident that there will be an IWGP heavyweight title defense there. So we'll see. Wait and see how it pans out. All right. Next match then, we have... I'm on the wrong screen here. Akata Ibushi, who was defeated by Evil. 90 minutes, 11 seconds. Evil winning with the Evil. Ankle injury. Ibushi's yeah. got a bum ankle. Probably worked, but interesting. I mean, I, I, I say worked. I saw the bruises. I'm sure it is causing him some discomfort, but it's just the way that Evil was attacking it made me think, well, it can't be that bad if Evil's attacking it. It was the same as like Tanahashi's arm injury last year when people start working on it then you think you know okay it can't be that terrible but i think the fact that he's working with this quote-unquote injury is interesting it's compelling it's led to some interesting modifications to ibushi's usual move set because he has a lot of knee attacks and he's having to sort of hop around and um improvise on the flight there but i thought this match was terrific had a really great intensity it felt like a grudge match the way they started off very hot evil really brought it here i think this is evil's best match that i've seen in new japan uh, 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 period. What about his Okada matches? What about his titled titled shots? Yeah, I, th- I thought this was better. Really? Yeah. Wow. I thought this was good. I thought this was good. I don't know if it was as good as that one though. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Evil doesn't do a lot for me. I'm gonna be honest with you. How's he? Fe- you like you, you like the evil? I think when you put him in a big spot against another top wrestler, then he delivers. But if you're asking him to deliver on a mid-card spot with someone who isn't so good... Okay, let's put it like this. I think he's only good as the person he's working with. I don't think he is capable of dragging an inferior wrestler to a match that is more than the sum of its parts. Right. Okay. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. It really depends on who's in the ring with him. That that I one hundred percent agree, um, and 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 I think when you get guys, I think he works better with smaller guys. I don't think he works well with bigger guys or people who are comparable, like a, like, a, like an evil comparable pro wrestler. You would think that he would, and I don't think that he does. I don't think that he does. I thought this match was was good. I don't think this was the best evil match I've ever seen. Which was your favorite one? One of the Okada ones from yeah. 
2017? Yeah, probably probably a, a title challenge. Yep, yep. One of those leading up to one of those where you thought, okay, there's no way fucking Evil's winning this title. Um, even with that said, I thought those matches were, were better than this. Okay, uh, next one was Kenta defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 80 minutes 35 with the go to sleep. Momentous matchup here. This was Noah versus New Japan, a, a real dream match that I think a lot of us never thought we'd see. And we have full on grumpy prick Kenta here with the slaps. I love the bit where Tanahashi's doing the air guitar and then Kenta just kicked him in the head. And I like the way he got his knees up to block the high five float, like the very last second. And he won. I mean, that's remarkable, isn't it? That Kenta beat the ace, Tanahashi, in the main event with New Japan G1 show. I mean, imagine saying that five or ten years ago. You, you wouldn't believe it. And, <laughs> no. You know, a, lot, a lot of people are talking about the speed of Kenta. The speed isn't there, but there is the intensity, the stiffness, the anger that, uh, to me, makes it an interesting change of pace. I don't think... I don't think you need Kenta to be doing the crazy 100 miles an hour closing stretch of reversals. If the Kenta matches are just going to be him scowling while he methodically kicks his shit out of you, then I dig it. And he did a really good cocky promo at the end. He was calling out the fans who were sneaking out. Another fan who shouted out, Okada's going to beat you. And he singled that fan out. And then uh, a chilling backstage promo aimed at Lance where he said, I am the fucking Kenta. Great promo. I love that. Uh, What do you think of the match? I loved it. I don't look. I know people are are dying to see 2008 Kenta. Everybody is. You know, everybody had that vision in their head when he was announced as being in this. And you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, that that that's a tall task. That's 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 not a you know for a guy who's. I think it's quite obvious that. The shoulder injury and the recovery of that shoulder and his ability to keep his fitness high, it's its a struggle, right? He's not the same guy. That's okay because I think even with, you know, a, a notch below that Kenta, I still think. You have yourself a, a pro wrestler who, A, is able to work with just about anybody in that company, have a hard-hitting, kick-ass, physical pro wrestling match, and it be compelling and good. Are you going to get super dangerous, high risk? Maybe not as much as you did before. Are you going to have a pace that is blistering? Maybe not as before. But again, I think even a notch below superstar level Kenta is a really solid fucking thing to have. Yeah, this was a bit of a dream match. And yes, it would have been tremendous if this were five years ago or eight years ago, of course. But I think you have a smart Tanahashi who knows how to get around his shortcomings physically right now and a smart Kenta who is learning how to get around his physical difficulties right now. And I think together you have just two smart pro wrestlers in that ring who were able to work a, a New Japan-style main event. Maybe, again, not at that 2008 level, but at a very high level and a very uh, 
solid pace for any if these were any other two people in that ring, I don't know if you would hear as many complaints. I think people are complaining based off of expectations and the past. And I don't know if that's the fairest thing to do. Right? Um, if these if these were any other two people, I think people would be talking more about these matches. But I just think that what bar was set by both of these guys, just physically, they just can't cross anymore. Um, so they're making do. And I say that, making do. It's still great. But they're making do and trying to work around the handcuffs that they have with their bodies. A couple of questions here. Koss says, with Kenta beating both Ibushi and Tanahashi, do you think he runs the gamut and pins Okada too? I had Kenta versus Okada for the title at King of Pro Wrestling, but I'm less sure about it now because I don't know if they have Kenta beat all three. It could be, be pretty significant, wouldn't it? I mean, listen, if he beats all three, you would think that they have him locked down to some type of deal. We forget that we I forget to ask. We forget to ask if if Kent is locked down for a significant amount of time. But if he I did beats, ask, but we we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Okay. Um, Do you think he'll be at Royal Quest? Hmm. Not announced, right? Not announced. I'm going to say no as of right now. Let's put it, I'm going to say no only because I haven't heard anything that he was going to be there. So he may very well, uh, but we haven't heard anything. Let me ask you that. Well, no. I was about to say. I mean, Kenta, give me a, give me a, give me an odds on that he beats Okada. Because <sighs> that so might be different. your main event. What King of Pro Wrestling? I would put it there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big match. That's a sumo hall match. Give me odds. 50-50? Because then he's running the table. Then he's running the New Japan table at that point. The big guys. He's going he's gonna to lose like a fucking, you know, somebody, you know, just goofy. Like he'll just get a surprise loss. But if he beats Tanahashi and Okada... You got to figure he's 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 put his name to a piece of paper. Yes, I would say sixty forty at this point. That he beats Okada. Mm. All right, that's big. That's that's big. Do you, and you do that King of Pro Wrestling, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. All right, there you go. What do you think? Of, what let me get? What do you what do you think of his performance so far, Kenta? Well, it's not what I expected. I expected a bit more, but okay. I was still really enjoying it. What you were you're looking for? Two thousand and eight, right? Yeah, maybe it was the fact that I was watching some of his best matches before watching the G one, which was a mistake on my part. You know, watching him having that classic with Brian Danielson. Yeah, you you get your hopes up, don't you? But I still think that. A let's say a, a Kenta at seventy percent of his peak is still better than most other wrestlers on the planet. I would agree. I would agree. Um, he sets a bar very, very high. I mean, at one point, you could argue he was the best wrestler on the planet. That's a pretty. That's a pretty high bar. 
Um, five years have passed, surgeries, recovery of those surgeries. I think he's doing pretty darn good considering all that 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 he all that baggage he has. Um yeah, I mean that's really it. That I mean that's really it in a nutshell. And I think right now you're looking at a guy who's trying to make do with the physical limitations that have been brought forth to him and for the first time in his wrestling career He's being asked to perform at a high level that he knows physically might not be there. Think about that mentally for a moment. It's not like he was asked to do this sitting down there in Orlando Loop. He was never asked to do anything that that he's being asked to do right now. Basically, what he's being asked to do is come back and be Kenta. Okay? There's a lot of expectations to that, and there's a lot of uh, pressure. That might come with that. And now he's being asked to do that five years after the fact. Injuries. Recovery being fucked. That's, that's got to weigh heavy on his head, let alone physically. Well, let's take into account his opponents as well. He was wrestling Ibushi, who fucked up his ankle. And then Tanahashi, who is looking a bit broken down these days. So we'll wait and see. You know How, how does he do against more athletic high-paced guys like you know, Osprey or Sonata or, or Zach or Okada, people like that. So let's wait and see. Right, and, and here's the thing. It's not like I'm saying three stars, right? No one's saying that. It's just that you're not getting 2008 Kenta. That's, that's really the, basically what it is. How about this then? Dragon Al says, based on what we've seen so far this tournament, how much do you feel Kenta's style has been influenced by his time in the WWE Performance Center and has this benefited him given his age? In my opinion, the match with Tanahashi in particular would not have felt too out of place on an NXT takeover, just with a bit more intensity. And I don't mean that as a criticism at all. So do you think there's anything to that, that the performance in the WWE house style has helped him adapt the way he wrestles as he advances in his age and you know, physically not where he used to be? Yeah, but that's, I mean, I, I look, Nobody, nobody's asking him to do WWE house show style on, 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 in G1. No one. No one has that expectation. Nobody has, nobody's took him to a side and said, hey, work that, work that 205 style. <laughs> right? No, no one's saying that. No one's asking him to do that. They're asking him to be him. Look, he knows what this means. He's not dumb. He knows, he knows what, what expectations are on him. And he knows what, expectations fans and the company and what G1 means he knows not dumb um are there little things that maybe he could take from from that possibly maybe working a crowd maybe you know not go you know maybe easing off the gas transitioning between maybe sure um he'd be dumb not to but I don't think anybody's going in there and saying hey play to the hard camera you know what I mean? Like they're they're expecting go out there and fucking rip it up as best you can, and 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 see where the chips fall. Yesterday's show, Monday, July fifteenth in Hokkaido, and the attendance for this one was six thousand nine hundred and forty-six, which is up nearly five hundred from last year. It was six thousand four hundred eighty-nine for Jay White versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. So 
Again, business doing very, very well. And our first G1 match was Shingo Takagi defeating Toriano in 6 minutes 16 with a pumping bomber. I thought this was fun. I like the way they did the bit out of the ring with Yano sitting on a chair and then he set up a little assault course for Shingo to tackle. Although I thought Shingo made his way back a bit too quickly. It kind of ruined the drama a bit. And I also enjoyed um, the attacks with a very soft cushion chair. Very delightful and comfy there. And they re- repeat the spot that pinned Naito. So a nice little callback to the previous dangerous move that managed to uh, beat Naito. Lots of drama now, like I said before. These Yano roll-ups, now that he's beaten Naito with it, then when he rolls someone else up, you think, oh, is he going to get him too? And I also thought it was notable that Yano went down to a signature move of the pumping bomber rather than a finisher like Last of the Dragon. Yeah, I like the fact that, that Shingo... Look, I think it would have hurt I don't want to say hurt his credibility, but Shingo needed to get the win here, right? This this was a, this was this was one of those ones where you're like, okay, this is a winnable match that he needs to to get through. Even even with everything that we just said about the unpredictability with Yano and all that, he needed to get a win here. If he took a fall here, that that that's not a good look. That's not a good look. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of circled this one as a win to begin with. Uh, he did. It was convincing. Yeah, I like. Again, Goofy Yano. Uh, can, trust me. By 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 night six, do I want to see Yano doing this shtick? Probably not. But he does add an element of surprise. Um, I've, I I. I kind of don't like the fact that that element of surprise might have been, I don't, and again, not wasted, but just used early because I don't know if they'll, they'll go to that well again. But um, again, all the things we talked about with Yano in the past, I, I didn't necessarily feel it in this match. Like I didn't, didn't really feel that here. Um, and that might have taken away a little bit from it. But I expected Chingo to get a win here. I think Yano is good for maybe another two more wins in this tournament. I don't think he's only going to have one win, so I still think he's got a few left in the chamber as far as upsets go. Uh, Next match then was Juice Robinson defeating Hiroki Goto in 12 minutes 23 with a pulp friction, which I thought was really interesting given their past encounters. To me, it feels like Juice is above Goto in the pecking order. And rewinding two years, I think Goto did a terrific job helping establish Juice, uh, get him over in 2017 and 2018 as well. They had a, a great little saga between them. Nice little callbacks to their previous matches with Goto headbutting to counter Juice's left-handed god. And I just love Juice screaming, eat shit, before he punches him. It's, it, Juice has got a good scream. Just like slight hint of mania in there, which just, <laughs> yeah. just makes it really compelling. So I don't know if they're going to go back to the situation of Juice having a busted hand because he was nursing it after the match. But... What I love, like I mentioned before, I love that Juice has been positioned as a serious heavyweight contender. Like we talked about before, he's not doing the promos anymore. So just really interesting little twist there. And I thought this was a decent match. I thought it was a good match. I did. I liked it. And I, and I, and, and I think Juice and Goto have a good chemistry. Again, I'm kind of going back to what I said earlier. The finish had me scratching my head in the sense that did you feel that this was more of, hey, G1 is unpredictable and anyone can get a win at any time? Or did this feel like Juice 
like you said before, is is over Goto in the pecking order. And if Juice is over Goto in the pecking order, what does that say about the Jay White win? I think both of those results individually made sense given the little feuds that they've had between them. I think Goto managing to get his win back against Jay White after having his pride stung following their previous match, which I think was Hinokuni, made sense. But also, Juice getting one up over Goto after their feud being, I think it was tied. I think Goto had two wins over Juice previously. And now I think Juice has teamed it up. Might have to double check that. But I think Juice getting the win made sense here. So I think you can accept both of those results as making sense within the context of their individual feuds without having to compare them against each other. Okay. All right. I, I don't know. I just thought it was... I left that match feeling that it was just a weird... Again, G1, anything can happen. Anyone can get a win over anyone. I get that. And I, and I, and I do like that. I just thought it was weird coming off of the... Like, you're coming off of beating Jay White, who arguably is, you know, fourth, fifth, and then Juice beats you. I don't know. It just seemed, it just seemed weird. Um, especially for a guy like Goto. Yeah, especially for a guy like Goto. Okay. Um, Michael said, is Goto picking up a career-defining win over White, then losing his following match to Juice, the most Goto thing to happen? Just seemed like an odd decision, unless they're huge on Juice. And Matthew says, do you think that they might actually commit to rehabilitating Goto? Um, So, yeah, so based on how this match panned out, looks like some people agreeing with you that they're a bit surprised that Goto took the L here. And yeah, do you think they might be committing to a rehab with Goto or did him losing here make you think, nah, he's still a geek? He's still a geek. I really truly believe he's, I mean, but again, then why would you have him? I mean, they gave him a win for a reason over Jay White. I mean, I again, look, maybe I'm overthinking it and maybe it's just a matter of the fucking math working out. You know what I mean? And they just had to get the win against Jay. I just thought it was a weird decision to have Jay lose to Goto when it's fucking Goto, you know what I mean? But okay, maybe I'm just they, maybe I'm overanalyzing it. Quite honestly. Okay, our next match in the G1 was John Moxley defeating Jeff Cobb in eight minutes fifty four with a rope assisted DDT. Steel O'Neill says, "Was Moxley's bum bump off the rope onto the apron the best bump ever?" Yes. Well, yeah, I've mentioned the Mox bumping before. To be fair, this match. Relieve some of my worries about Mox, about whether he can work other styles or is it always going to be walk and brawl and plunder. And he did some wrestling. here, some nice clean wrestling. A good match. It felt, and this is not a criticism, it felt WWE-ish. But there was a, a weirdly abrupt finish. It felt like, it was like the first half of a really good WWE main event because it had similar tropes, similar structure, and then it just ended. It finished came out of nowhere for me. And in terms of the way it was structured, for, in my opinion, a guy like Mox should be flying around the ring for a guy like Cobb. Should be bumping like crazy for him. Right. But counted, we had two, two and a half, if I'm being generous, bumps from Mox here. Wow. Huh. That's saying something. Two bumps the entire match? Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. I and need for a, me, I, yeah. this is kind of 
ruined the teases of big spots. Like when he's teasing, oh, is Taichi going to powerbomb me through a table? Or, oh, am I going to get suplexed onto the ramp? Because I know he's not going to take a flat back bump on the ramp. I know he's not going to take a bump off the apron onto the floor. He's not doing that. So now all of those little spots are compromised for me. I mean, I hopefully he goes out there and proves me wrong, but I've become acutely aware that he is taking care of himself out there. Mm. All right. I need, I need a bump count. I need, I need a Mox bump count <laughs> for each match. Tweet it out. Uh, huh. Okay. I mean, look, we all know the last thing that guy needs is a broken ankle, broken foot, wrist, something that's going to put him on the shelf. He's got a big payday coming around the corner. Uh, okay. That, that is a little bit disappointing. Not a little bit. That's, that's disappointing. Um, but let's keep an eye on it. May, may, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's pacing himself. Maybe it's, you know, may, who knows? But, okay. That's something to keep an eye on. The Moxley bump count. Let's let's do that. Have we have we crossed over to unknown levels of geekdom when we're counting Moxley bumps for his matches? <laughs> we can have bets. We can do over unders before each match. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right. Let's let's keep an eye on that. That's something to look forward to. Joel's on it. Moxley bumps. What did you think of the match with Cobb? Feeling that I had going into this is that this. This could feel very repetitive very quickly if that's that's what he brings to the table and that's all that he brings to the table. Again, I like the fact that it feels different. I like the fact that it is new and it does feel fresh and there is an element of uh, – listen, there's no doubting that, that John Moxley is a star. I don't know how I'm going to feel night four, night five, and night six when it's the same story each and every match. I'd like to see something a little bit different. I A brawl, a plunder is good. It's fine. But if that's all you bring into the table, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily be as excited to see a John Moxley match as we move forward. Um, this was okay. Now that you point out, yeah, I mean, two bumps for a guy? Yeah, come on. You know, that does that does seem a little weird. Um I, the match was okay. I, 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 truth be told, I'm probably, I'm probably putting this on the bottom half of most of the G1 matches that I've seen so far. So you know, somebody's got to be last, and I don't think this is it. But it's, it's not in my top five. That's for sure. One thing I did like about this was Cobb did a really good knockout sell uh, after Moxley need him. He did the little zombie arm things that you see in UFC from time to time. So, well done, Jeff Cobb, for doing that. Next match, then, was Tomohiro Ishii defeating Jay White. 19 minutes, 13, with a vertical drop. Brainbuster. KSJ49 says, do you guys take off your pants? Taichi start when Ishii is wrestling. I have my pants off here. I thought this was great. Ishii, he just looks fired up for this G1. And I know you're saying he's a bit one note, but to me, I think he's bringing an extra bit of fire and intensity to these bouts. I don't know, he just seems to be getting better for me. Not different, but just better. 
Yeah. And Look, again, I, don't, don't, I don't want anybody to, to, to misread that, though. I still think he's fucking great. These matches are great. He's great in G1. It's just, again, let's just point out the fact that it is, he's hitting the same notes. They're great notes, same notes. There's a little interesting thing going on from, in my observation of B Block, is when these guys wrestle each other, whose style is imposed on the match? Does one guy's style dominate, or does it do, do they end up blending together? And I was curious about this. I thought, well, are we going to get a long extended Jay White control period here? But we didn't. I thought we would, but we didn't. It felt like Ishii pushed Jay White to a faster, more urgent pace. We didn't have much of Jay White on top. This felt more like an Ishii match than it did a Jay White match. And I did enjoy Jay White baiting Ishii and then just getting fucked up as a result. And just little moments like when Jay White DDT'd Ishii and Ishii was like balancing on his head. And Jay had to push him over, tip him up after that. I had a massive grin on my face when Ishii was no-selling Jay's forearms. Jay took a great bump for the superplex. He just sort of bounced and flew halfway across the ring. And I really liked the moment when Jay White was playing dead with a big grin on his fucking slappable face. And then there was a bit where he was trying to avoid the lariat. Ishii was coming in with the lariat and then Jay just turned his body and sat down like a petulant child. But then Ishii just changed his direction and changed it into a sliding lariat. That was awesome. Big finisher, reversal exchange. Now, I know people, a lot of people online are criticizing that and they put gifts on it and say, oh, doesn't this look stupid? But I thought it was great here. I thought Jay did a really good job. And I think this might have been Jay White's best match. For me, it's right up there with... The Okada match, Wrestle Kingdom, the Juice match where they <laughs> broke JR's ribs and the Osprey match from the anniversary show. I can't decide which one is my favorite, but it's definitely in the top four along with those that I've mentioned. I'll tell you what, to me, and it's early, mind you, you think he's making amends for last year's performance? I think so. And we had a question from Anders. He says, what do you think of Jay White's start to the G1? Definitely more impressive than it was last year because we're not getting so much of the jarring shithousery as we did last year. There is still some shithousery, but it's not taking me out of the match. Right. I think so far, I don't, I don't have many complaints about Jay White in, in G1 right now. Again, it's early. I wouldn't be surprised if, as you call it, the shithousery occurs. But right now, I got no complaints about Jay White. He's 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 had at least he's had two at least really good matches, really good matches. I don't know if I'm I'm pushing the great button on these yet. These were good matches, really good matches. Um, and that's and, and <laughs> right now I feel like that that at 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 worst, equaled his output from last year. So I think that that character work that we were so uh, critical of during this time of year last year, I think that's been established. Uh, Again, we're early. We could definitely see more of it. But I think early returns uh, is is a thumbs up for Jay White so far. And our main event was Taichi defeating Tetsuya Naito in 21 minutes and one second with an Iron Fingers assisted last ride. I really feel, Damon, that in another timeline, these guys would be friends. I think they've got more in common than they care to admit. And maybe that's why there's such animosity in them, between them, in their matches. Uh, One thing I didn't like, I didn't like Naito grabbing Miho's hair because she looked really scared and upset and it made me feel sad. I audibly gasped when Taichi 
just fucking slung Naito into the barricade and he went flying. And here's the thing, comparing that to the Moxley match, Moxley Taichi match, Naito goes out of his way to make Taichi look good. Moxley yeah. did not. So just throwing that out there. I like the, the bit of Iron Finger misdirection and Taichi built that up in the backstage comments. He'd been saying, maybe someone's going to come and help me with this match or something to that extent. And then he was saying, come on, come on, come down. And everyone was looking at the ramp, but... It was just a distraction. I thought that was pretty good. And the Hurricane Rana into the Ganso Bomb. That was an amazing spot. Looked really dangerous. I liked it. Really dramatic, exciting finisher. And again, talking about shithousery, this was pure shithousery, but um, I was sports entertained. I thought this was really good. I'm going to throw a question by you. Uh, to me, I thought this, of all the main events on each night, this one didn't do much for me. Didn't do a lot for me. Is this a four-star match? Let me see how I had it rated. I've been rating each G1 match as I go. Mm. Right, Naito versus Taichi. Yes, I have it at four stars. Exactly four? Exactly four. Do you think you gave him... Uh, do you think you gave uh, the Chi bump on that one? <laughs> Maybe. And again, this is something like I mentioned with Jay White matches earlier. If you enjoy the Tai Chi gimmick and the kind of shit that he does, then you're going to enjoy this match more. And it's going to be like at least, you know, a good half a star above people who do not like the Tai Chi stick. Yeah, I think that's that's an accurate statement. Look, he here's here's my my challenge, because every time I do this. I feel like I get burnt in the end. And every time I put over Tai Chi, and every time I'm like, okay, I'm seeing it, I'm getting on board, I feel like they pull the rug out from underneath me. I have, let's put it this way, in a main event spot, I'm still not 100% confident that I'm going to walk out of a Tai Chi main event feeling good about what I just saw. I don't think this was awful. I don't think this was terrible. I don't think this was... I thought this was okay. That was all right. And and there's always that question mark when it comes to his matches. Again, we joke about that fucking cartwheel death match. But, the, but it's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. And we do it for a reason. Because you don't know what the fuck you're going to get. You could get great. You could get good. You can get eh. And this is a main event we're talking about. And to me, I don't like that volatility in scale with my main events. Uh, I didn't feel it. I thought it was okay. I, I, But this was not one of my favorite G1 matches so far in this tournament. Um was there bullshit? Was there shenanigans? Yep, there was. And that really didn't really take me out too much. I just didn't think the match was that great, period. Even without the bullshit. I don't think it was... I don't think it was... I don't know. I don't think it was G1 main event. I just didn't feel that when I turned off this show. Um, I'll tell you what. I know that they like doing this too, Joel. There's a lot of big names going over, and if and you know they're not gonna, a guy like Naito is not going to fucking shit the bed 
right, and not win this tournament. And Tanahashi is going to be in the mix. And Zach is going to be in the mix. And it just feels like they just do this early to rattle, pe- rattle people's senses and get people to believe that anyone can win it and blah, blah, blah. And that's a good thing. I feel like that's fine. But if I put – well, your pool and your pickums kind of speak to this, but I don't think anybody thought that maybe Tanahashi might go 0-3. But Tanahashi – you know, look at the names that are Zach. A lot of people going zero and three so far. I think that's kind of telling early stages G one. Yeah, we do have some questions about that. Well, let's get straight to it then. Uh, Juice ninety nine thousand one hundred says, "What do you guys think of the surprising zero and two starts for Jay Tanahashi, Ibushi, and Naito?" And Matt says, "Which winless wrestler is the biggest surprise for you so far?" I think I agree with you, Damon. That they're just trying to throw people off the scent. I still lean towards a Naito Tanahashi final. And I think Ibushi and Jay are going to be alive going into the last day. So, yeah, that's my take on it. It's just trying to make things seem unpredictable. Right. Trying to throw people off the scent. I, I agree with that and making it un- unpredictable. And that's good. Um, I just feel like you know a lot of those guys are going to go on big winning streaks, right? So, that it, it, so as much as they're trying to get people off the scent, it feels like people are going to be honing in on the scent even more as this tournament goes on. I guess it'll be interesting to see when those people match off against each other, what happens, because you would expect Ibushi... I could see him winning winning out the rest of his matches, but then he has that big match coming up soon against Tanahashi, so... You know, if you think Tanahashi is going to be in the mix as well, then your eyes are sort of zooming in on that Ibushi Tanahashi match and thinking, "Oh, well, what's going to happen there then?" Yeah, that one, and even Zach. I mean, you know, does Zach go over, over four? Would it be? I mean, that's you know, that's pretty significant. I think Naito's got to win out, right? You think he, you know, he he can't afford another loss, really. Um, Ibushi, yeah, I think B block. The story is Naito and Jay White winning out. So they're in on level pegging. Actually, no, because I think Moxley is going to beat Naito. I don't, I, yeah, I could see that happening. Moxley beats Naito. So Jay White is two points ahead of Naito going into the last day. And then Naito beats Jay White. So they're level on points. And then he's got the tiebreaker over him. You figure the bigger names in this company are going to be, are going to be pinning Moxley, right? You would think. Like him getting wins over the guys that he's gotten wins over. It's not that earth shattering like if he pinned okada you know, obviously if he pinned okada or he pinned you know well, he's not my, my thinking basically you know, i just i thought naito moxley would be a good briefcase defense for let's say king of pro wrestling mm-hmm. yeah i mean he's got to start losing though you would think he would be one of those guys that, that start taking some pinfalls so he's gonna have to take a couple bumps to, to make that happen unless we're doing all school boys <laughs> school boy finishes for everybody Shall we preview some of the upcoming G1 matches then? We have a show uh, this Thursday, July 18th. Uh, we've got Krakow and Hall shows now. So you just give me your quick thoughts, quick predictions. Kenta versus Lance Archer. So both of them are 2-0 and at the moment. Who do you see taking the win there? Um, I'll tell you what. I would love Lance to get the win, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going to go Kenta. What about the battle for LIJ, Evil versus Sonata? Both of them 1-1 one one at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, they seem to be uh, pretty split. Uh, 
It's Cork, and so I'm going to say evil. Mm, I didn't give my thoughts on the previous match. I don't know. It's a coin toss, really, between Kenta and Lance. I think, let's say Lance. Let's build him up a, as a real monster. And I will take evil in the LIJ match. There you go. The, we've got Okada versus Bad Luck Farley. I can't see anything apart from... Oh, could I see Farley winning? Could you see Farley winning here? I could see Farley winning here. Me too. But not third from the top. I think if he's gonna, if Farley's going to win, that's got to be co-main or main. So I think Okada wins. Well, how many points Okada? Okada's He's, he's got two right? wins, and Farley has a win and a loss. They're not going to put Farley over here, are they? I don't think so. Not in this spot on the card anyway. All right. I'll go Okada. Then we got Tanahashi versus Zach. Both of them are 0 and 2. Oh, this is really hard to pick. I think they're going to lean into this Zach tantrum angle. I think Tanahashi gets his first win. Zach goes 0 and 3. And then possibly setting up Tanahashi for another shot at the British title at Royal Quest. This one's tough because, I mean,. I'm going to go. I just, here's the thing. It's like, I just can't picture Zach closing out a show going on a, on a, on a, on a leftist rant. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, Tanahashi. as well. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Tana too. Main event, we've got Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. So Ibushi's 0-2, Ospreay's 1-1. Osprey still the junior, so that so I that think he's got to get his win back from Wrestle Kingdom. Yep, I think that pl- will play into it, and I can see him closing out a show. Even though Zach, or, or excuse me, Zach, um, Will is Mister Japan now, so uh, I'm going to go Abushi though. Um, we have another Cracker and Hall show on Friday, July nineteenth. Our G1 matches start off with Shingo. Against Taichi. So Shingo 1 and 1, Taichi also 1 and 1. Again, this one is quite tricky to call. I think I'm going to get a bit of a coin toss here. I'm going to go Shingo. I'm going Taichi. Um, I think this is a perfect example of fuckery happening. You know what I mean? Like something, something screwing over Shingo. So, uh, yeah, I think this is, this is a platform. For Tai Chi to get a, a, a screwy win, so I'll go here. Juice Robertson versus Jeff Cobb. So Juice is two and zero. Jeff Cobb is zero and two. I think Jeff gets a win here. Yeah, I think Jeff can get a win. Uh, let me see now. I don't know. I'm gonna go Juice. I'm gonna go Juice here. I think uh, Jeff goes over. I don't think I don't see Jeff having a lot of points. Like if anybody's gonna be really low in this block, Jeff's Jeff, your guy. Um, I'll give Juice to win here. Yano versus Jay White. So Yano is one and one. Jay White is zero and two. I think Jay White gets off the board here. You would think, right? But this screams to me fucking nonsense. Yano win to pop that crowd. I don't think Jay White can take that many losses, though. Three losses already. This is a guy who's got to be alive going into the last day. You're probably right. You're probably right. 
I'm still want to go Yano though. I fucking I might I'm, I'm serious. It's like screaming Yano. But I'll go Jay. No, I'm fuck it. I'm going Yano. Fuck it, Yano. Yeah, go ahead. Be brave. Uh, then co-main we got Goto against Naito. So Goto won one. Naito's earned two. Again, I think Naito's got to get off the board here. So I'm picking a Naito win. Yep, me too. I think this is a. I'm going to go so far as to say a slam dunk win for Naito. Main event is interesting. Ishii versus John Moxley. Who wins and how many bumps does Mox take? That motherfucker better take some bumps for Ishii. There'll be a riot in that building. That's going to be interesting. He's got to take... How does he not? He's got to take fucking bumps for him. In that building? That building's not a dumb building. They'll, they'll, they'll pick up on that real quick. Ooh, and against Ishii, too. I don't Maybe think he was saving his bumps for this match. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Let me tell you something. He pulls that shit with Ishii. I don't think I don't think he's going to take to that too too kindly. Uh, is this where Mox picks up a loss? Mm. So Ishii is. What's his record? Beat. Um, is he two? That's right. He is. He's two and zero. Mox is also two and zero. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's a coin toss again. I'm gonna go Mox. Yeah, look at you. So, so, so you're keeping keeping the streak of no bumps. <laughs> he doesn't have to lie down at all. I think he will <laughs> take bumps, but he's gonna win okay. the match. All right, give me a number. Give me set me. Give me a number. I think John Moxley will take five flat back bumps for Tomohiro Ishii. I'm going to take the under. I'm really convinced you, haven't I? You really have. (laughs) I'm going to be watching this so... It's it's like my eyes are going to be glued to the TV. I think everybody's will be now. Then Saturday, July 20th, also at Karakuen Hall. We are back to the A block. We have got Zach versus Bad Luck Farley. And again, Ooh. I'm thinking Zach is own three at that point, so I think Zach's got to get the win over Farley. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting match, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I give Zach. I could see it being a count out, maybe. I don't know about Zach making Farley tap out. I'm not sure I can see that happening. Yeah, but how's he going to pin him? He could do one of his... I don't know if... I don't know if Farley can't move well enough to take one of those flash pins. Now I'm going to go for a Zach counter. I think Zach does something clever here to get off the board. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm going to. Yeah, but how do you, how do you tap out Farley? No, when it was I, think, I think it's going to be a count out. Oh, you, you're going count out. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Because I can't, I mean, like, Zach really doesn't have a move where you're pinning him unless you're just tying him in knots and rolling him up. And I and I don't see Fale tapping. He's not getting up Fale for a Zach driver. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> right. Right. That would be ridiculous, actually. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we got to find a way to get out of this one. So a count out makes the most sense, actually. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you say it. Then we've got Tanahashi versus Lance Archer. Tanahashi for me. Yeah, I think I think you got to go Tanahashi on this one, right? Yeah, I think. Look, I, I think it's going to be a good match. 
I tell you what, a singles match. I'd be curious to, to, to I, I'd be curious to see how many times Lance Archer and Hiroshi Tanahashi have had singles matches. You could probably count that on one fucking hand and cut off four fingers. Uh, yeah, you got to go Tanahashi here. Kenta or Evil? Got to go Kenta. I guess it depends on... See, if I've got him beating Archer, then if he beats Evil as well, then he's 4-0. Oh. 4-0. Which could happen. Yeah, I'm going to go Kenta. Yeah. And then uh, Ibushi against Sonata. Handsome battle. It is. We we have Ibushi with one right now. This would give him two. Yeah, I'll go Ibushi. Yeah, me too. I think he's got to start stacking the wins up. And then main event, we've got Will Ospreay in another Karakuen main event against Kazuchika Okada. Woo! I think Okada wins. But I think Ospreay's going to push him very, very close. Do you think this is one where... Will could get could continue this miraculous 2019, get a pinfall win over Okada and challenge him. Nah, he's a junior champion. I can't. You can't have a junior pinning the heavyweight champion. That's too much. You can't. Again, it I think he much. pushes him right to the edge. Right. Maybe we right. even get close to the 30 minute time limit, but Okada wins. Hmm. Seems like we've seen that story before. How much of an edge can we push them? I think that's the story. They've had, what, three matches so far? They had the initial match in Rev Pro, had a match at the anniversary show last mm-hmm. year, and they had a match at the New Japan Cup this year. And I think it's absolutely fine to Osprey to go 0-4, but just each time he just gets a little bit closer. Okay, that's fair. I think it would shock the fucking world if he get a pin. If he got, it, it, and you're right when you said, oh, it's a little too much. It, that, you might be right. Might be right, but let me tell you. Man, let me ask you this: He gets a pinfall win, Cork and Hall, over Okada. Does that solidify match of the year, or excuse me, wrestler of the year for New Japan? For New Japan? No, I think it's too early in the G One to say that. I want to see no. how the rest of the G One pans out, particularly Shingo, because I would say at the moment Shingo is one of the only people who's got a realistic shot at catching Will. So I don't want to close the book on it this early into the tournament. All right. I'll tell you what. I would love to see it happen. I really would. I don't think it's too much. I think that would be a real interesting thing to have Will Ospreay pin Okada. I don't think it'll happen, though. You got to go Okada. All right, let's do a few questions before we get out of here. John says, "Who? Uh, what has been your most interesting story so far? Uh, John's favorite has been the LA Lions versus the Dojo Lions. My most interesting story so far is how many bumps is Mox going to take? <laughs> That's become one of my favorite. Absolutely. Uh, mine is Kenta and, and what he's able to accomplish and kind of watching him. I think Lance Archer has been tremendous. Will and the battle of Will and Shingo to see who uh, is going to steal the show each and every night. Um. I do like the LA Dojo, uh, Japanese Dojo story. 
I think that's a new fresh thing. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. There's a lot of little sub stories in there that that you can you can hang your hat on. Lots there, um, but those are mine. Tyler says, "What do you think Ghetto is thinking with the booking so far? Are we looking at Dad Tanahashi sooner rather than later, or a setup for another future Retribution story?" I, you know, I'm still going to stick with my pick for Tanahashi to make it to the finals. So I think it's just a bit of misdirection. You're thinking, "Oh, Tana's done. He's washed up," and then he surges through and backdoors his way into the final. But following that well, point, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I don't, can't see him being IWGP Heavyweight Champion again. I think he'll challenge I think for it again. Pinch. Yeah, yeah. In a pinch, if something like terrible happened and they needed like a quick champion, he's obviously a guy that you could use. Very similar to the Kenny Omega thing. Um, yeah, look, how long have I stuck a microphone in my face and talked about New Japan? And every, I mean, every year was supposed to be that year. So, um, as long as he has breath in his body, he's going to be in the mix. I don't. I mean, eventually he'll wind up dad status, just like everybody else. But it's gonna. <laughs> it's, he's gonna go down kicking and screaming. Let's put it that way. Uh, another John says, "Who's in Shibata's gang? How much will it rule?" And Matthew says, "After the first four shows, do you feel more or less confident that we are going to get a Shibata-led faction?" Yeah, I think we're still going to get it. I'm going to say Kenta's in Goto. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dragon Lee. And the LA Dojo Lions. That's not a bad faction. Let's be truthful. That's not that's not a bad faction at all. Um, yeah, I think I think the, I think. Listen, I don't think that there's any doubt that we're seeing more and more of him on screen. So, uh, would not be surprised to see a new faction in New Japan. Sorry, I have Mali ringing furiously on the doorbell. Yes, I'm still doing a podcast. What the heck? <laughs> what the heck? We're, we're famous. <laughs> we're. we're we're very important. All right. Can we get Andrew to edit that, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, leave it in. She's a star. She's a Hall of Famer. Um, okay. One more question. How about that? One more. I know you want to get out of here. No, I want to get out of here. I'll save the questions for next time. All right. This is so not that's happen it. With that's Nally's, not Nally's in the room now. She's going to sabotage it. Um, all, right. all right. Plugs. Um, thanks, Andrew, for editing this mess. <laughs> Sorry to everyone that I was eating this. Shut up! Tomorrow's your birthday. I'll edit that out. What? Tomorrow's um, your birthday? Yeah, it's my birthday. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes. Happy birthday. Big Joel Abraham. I am. I'm like, what are you, 25? Jesus Christ. Son of a bitch. Can Living the life on the, the beach. Can we just plug on it now? I'm, I'm no. Not, she won't even let me get through the, <laughs> the plugs at the end. I can't believe you fucking uh, <laughs> kayfabed on the birthday. She's flashing me now. Wow, really? Yeah. Nice. What song is she singing? Um, Promise of a New Day by Paula Abdul. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sexiest song you could possibly think of. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Bring let's it get out of here. Discord. No, Discord. let's stay it's here. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast. <laughs> Take it off. I can't even up, describe up. what she's doing now. It's too disgusting, even for this wow. podcast. Really? Uh, thank you, Andrew, for editing this. Um, please subscribe <laughs> to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich and listen to his podcast, Music of the Mac, because it's really good. 
Please give us a five-snake review on iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye. Woo!